Oh, that was sick. Oh, that's rock. Woo! Yeah! Sick. That was money. Brother, you got sick. a little something in your face. Like my first shift, I was like shredding with like Travis Rice and like Jamie Lynn. And it's just like, is this really happening? Right? <laughs> Welcome to episode 12 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. In this episode, we caught up with Michael Wigley, the splitboarding gypsy, in the middle of his 400-kilometer bike trip from Roslyn, British Columbia, to his home in Revelstoke. Michael grew up in Ontario and eventually found his way out west to BC, where currently his goal is to make turns in the backcountry each month of the year and ultimately achieve the rank of ACMG guide. So grab your bike, your board, and your shorts. And let's drop in with the gypsy. Let's drop in with Mike Wigley. Hey, Mike, how's your day going? Good, guys. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Sweet. Super stoked to talk to you, Mike. Yes. Thanks Heck yeah. Thanks Beautiful, for sunny day. Not, yeah, yeah. not where we are, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for taking the time out of your busy, uh, your busy tour, your mountain biking tour across uh, BC here. No problem. Huh? Yeah. What was that like? Uh, yeah, so I'm just, uh, I'm in like a stopping point at the moment, but I'm just connecting um, one of my old hometowns, Rosin, which I lived for like 13 years, and then biking up to Revelstoke and stopped at my buddies in Kelowna, and just visiting him for the day or over the, over till the weekend kind of thing, and then cruise back to Revy, and, and then uh, in August, I like to do even longer trip so this is kind of like a like a trial if you, that's if you crazy so you're, that. you're biking nice. from roslyn to revy and you stopped in mm-hmm. it's about like way. yeah it's about like a four or five hundred kilometer trek sweet how so many, i think 500, 500 how many days yeah. since you started i uh, started i left roslyn like 2 p.m monday so i left a little late just biked a little bit and then uh got to Kelowna like Midday Thursday, so it took me like three days to kind of bike to Kelowna, which was like three hundred kilometers. And you're doing that, so th- like hundred kilometers a day, I do. And you're doing that behind in a on dirt roads right now. Yeah, so there's this old rail trail. It's super cool. So like back in the mining days, um, to get all like the ore, gold, silver, all the um, minerals there and mining stuff. My words are not coming out, but no um, yeah, they built a whole railway track. And before there was roads here, and that was like in the 1890s. And then they ripped them all up in like 19, well, it was all different sections they ripped up. But yeah. pretty much I think the last one ran was like 1970s or something like that. Nice. But now it's all just passed. And um, so the longest stretch is from Hope to Fernie, and that's a thousand kilometers. Cool. And so I was like, I was on a bit of that section. So from Christina Lake to um, outside Kelowna. And it's so cool. You go through like tunnels over like trussels, steel bridges. I know. I seen your Instagram. Um, you were doing some live stuff. It's pretty epic. Your bike. It's so much fun. Your bike blew me away with those big tires, and then, yeah, it's not a. It's not a. It's a hardtail, no shocks. Yeah, it's um, the brand's called Salsa. They're out of. I think they're out of New Mexico, and they're this bike model is designed for bike packing. And it's called uh, the Fargo, which means go far. Mm-hmm. And um, 
as soon as it's loaded with weight, it just wants to fly. Like I find when it's not, doesn't have a lot of weight on, or it's just totally bare minimums. I'm always like in the highest gears kind of thing. That's so cool. But once, once I load it up, I can, I don't feel like it's a burden. Right. Like carrying the weight with me and. That's wicked, it's dude, because I, I saw the pictures on your IG, and yeah. I was like, dude, that thing is, like, you got that packed, man. There's a lot of stuff on that bike. Yeah, I have a, too much on it, to be honest. <laughs> like, uh, you sound like Darren. I went, I went down to Roslyn, and I did, like, a, a glacier trip. Like, I, I ski every month, and so um, we just did, like, a glacier trip on Kokanee Glacier, and it was super rad, and so I still have some of my, like, warm gear, like, my thermals and like oh right for staying down sweaters and and i still have like my my eight minus 18 down sleeping bag so i have like too much like of my heavy gear i need to switch over to summer side now but um it's been good just to carry that weight and get used to it absolutely awesome. it'll toughen you and up, i you need know? a water filtration system i've like that's one thing i've realized because i'm oh. carrying too much water with me you need like I'm a like, platypus with the hose, like the filter built into it. So you just go to a river or stream and just. Exactly. Just some kind of method. Cause like, that's one thing I forgot to bring with me. And then like, I've been biking. I've been like, Oh, now I have to stop in like little towns and just fill up as much water as I can. And then yeah, carry that till get to the next town. Have exactly. you ever, have you ever seen, uh, I've got this cool thing that I bought a few years ago. Um, I haven't used it a ton. I'll be honest. So just a little bit, something I did, a long time ago, Mike, when I was 26, is I hiked the uh, I hiked the Appalachian Trail. I did a through hike of it, a That's six sick. month yeah, awesome. six month backpack, and uh, I carried a. How small, long is that? It was 2,155 miles the year that I hiked it. Sweet. So I was on average like 12, 12 miles a day carrying uh, carrying about 45 50 pound pack. What? Uh, sorry, 12 miles. What? 18 20 kilometers. 22 2.2 2.2 k per kilometer or per 20k mile. a day yeah that's good crash that was uh that was getting up with the sun and going to bed with the sun type of thing right mm-hmm. um which i loved and that was a that was a whole other world and we can talk for hours about that but but yeah in that on that tour like i carried my my house on my back right essentially like you're doing on your bike right now mm-hmm I did use a water filtration system. It was a, a hand pump, you know, and you had an input hose and an output hose and you would just drop that hose in whatever source you had and start pumping it away. And I think it was a ceramic slash paper filter type of deal. And it pretty much lasted the whole way. I think I replaced the cartridge one time in it and that's about it. Oh, nice. But just like recently, one of the MSR ones? Yeah. Actually, the one I used was made by a company called Sweetwater. And okay. it, was, it was nice and compact and small. Like it literally was the size of a pop bottle, like a pop can. And that was it, and it packed up nice and light, and you know wasn't too heavy. Perfect. Um, yeah, so it worked really well. But I've got this new thing; I haven't really tested it a whole bunch. I'll be honest with you, but it's called a Grail. I think it's G R Grail G R A Y L. It's basically it looks like a uh, a plastic um, thermal coffee mug, and it's it's a two parter. So there's an internal part and an external part. The external part's just like a plastic cup. You you pull the internal part out the filters on the bottom of the internal part, you scoop up your water source and then you just slowly push the internal back into it and it filters that water right there. And then you just drink it like a cup. It's pretty wild. Huh. That's sweet. Kind of like I, a life straw. Idea yeah. I've got a, a platypus and the platypus has got a, uh, the whole concept of that. It's actually a three part. 
So your your cup itself is rubbery at the bottom, so if you, you can squeeze it and altitude won't you know expand it, or whatever it can handle that expansion as well. And the top part screws on, <coughs> and then your filter. You take the top part out; it's like a hard section, and then you stick your filtering system inside of it, close it together, and you can either do it two ways. You can either put water in it ahead of time, and then you suck through the the filter, right? So it's the kind of opposite of what Darren's is like. So there's lots of hmm. options, and they're not that expensive either. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I am carrying a life straw with me, you know, just just in case. Like right. my mom gift gifted me that for Christmas, and nice. I'm super thankful for it. And so I did try it out. Like uh, I slept at this one river spot, and I was like, oh, I'll give the the old life straw a try out. And but yeah, I like to get a good water filtration system, and then I think I'll be complete on the old nice. on the old bike. Nice, no doubt. Maybe a you lighter definitely... tent too. But oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, just kind of curious. What are you carrying for a tent, and how much does it weigh? I'm um, using an MSR hoop just because I'm a really tall dude. Like I'm six seven, so I'm not like short by any means. And uh, kidding, you got so, a foot on me. <laughs> on the game, lightweight tents is quite um, brutal for me. So this MSR hoop is it's quite lengthy, which is good. Like I don't touch the sides, which is really good. And then, um, but it's four pounds, like four and a half pounds. That's, not, uh, my, too, my that's light... not too bad, but a hammock would be way lighter, no? Exactly, exactly. I also have a bivy that I sometimes like to use. Like it has one pole yeah. on the Integro Designs ones. Right, you're and, right on the ground. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like one pound, but in the summertime, I just find too much condensation. Absolutely. You're dealing yeah. with like too much wetness. Yeah. So, that's but crazy. I do so, like the hammock idea. I've been thinking of that. That's cool. So... How many how many kilometers a day are you pumping out riding your bike then? Uh, I usually try to go for a hundred. Wow! Holy shit. Dang, dude. Mm-hmm. All right. So you were saying you're looking to do you're trying to combine your biking and splitboarding together? Exactly. Forward. Yeah, I was, I was starting doing that um, this spring. Yeah. So uh, my ex, um, she had to move back to Switzerland, but she's the one that really got me into bike packing, nice. and um, she gifted me this really sweet like sleeve for my bike so my split board um goes on like it just like uh runs along the frame and then like the bindings are like right behind the seat and then so it it carries my split board super well and i'm trying to remember the company called they're out of Colorado, i believe defiant i think defiant packs and then so they make a sleeve to carry skis or a split board and so it I started going to um, Mount McPherson, which is down the road from Revelstoke. It's about like five kilometer trek. Right. And then so I would bike to the cross country area. Then I would ski tour, go up McPherson, do my shredding. And it's so funny. I actually got like, started getting like really excited, not just for the down of, of split boarding, but then the down of my bike ride going back home. And Oh, yeah. yeah I and just like that. connecting it. And, and, and the other thing I find that's so awesome about it is like, when I'm finished biking, like my legs are ready to go touring. It's not like that slow, oh, like warm up. up. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, they're like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, the blood's flowing. You're good to go. That's awesome. Well, let's do a little bit. Let's back this all up. Let's get back into where Mike, who Mike is. Let's get into Mike snowboarding. You, you know, we talked, totally. we talked a little bit offline about where you started. You're from Ontario. Uh, tell us a bit where from Ontario and kind of where your snowboarding came from. Yeah, for sure. Like I grew up um, in Whippy, Ontario. And uh, the whole bug of snowboarding um, clued in on like a hot summer day where, um, you know, I grew up in like the suburbs. It gets really boring in the 
as, as you guys know, coming from Ontario. Mm-hmm. And um, You didn't skate? What do you mean? I did skate, but, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not totally a summer person. Like, I am totally always been, like, a snow snow bunny Same or here. snow body. Same here. Whatever buddy. you want to say. Like, yeah. not, I used to have a, a GT. Not a bunny. Not a bunny. You're not a bunny buddy. No. <laughs> just, a, just a snow body. Snow body. There it is. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I grew up, like, uh, just G- GT snow racing. Yeah. And I remember, like, my brothers would be, like, always saying, like, I was the loose cannon. Like, I would, like, we would um, GT to, like, this ravine, and everyone else would stop before the ravine, and I would just go and Send just. Send it. I, there wasn't going to be a jump. I would just go as fast as I possibly could and crash into the ravine or did you, whatever. So Did you ever modify Did you ever modify your GT? Because no. I know when I was younger, and I'm way older than you are. Like, put a ski on it? No, dude. We'd paint it. We'd, like mess around like individualize them and like what yeah. are you talking about G- gt snow racer yeah <laughs> yeah i was wondering what you guys Fuck, were talking i used about to GT. send that thing we used to go i used to live by this train tracks and they were way up above the behind the houses and we just climb to the top build a jump at the bottom of kicker and just fucking launch it to fly exactly no landing no just, landing just fucking just give send her. it explode <laughs> it nice and we also ha- had those uh we also have one of those um old wooden toboggans yeah you know, like yeah. they curled up at the front and you yeah. got the string. Yeah, and actually, now that I'm remembering, I think that's when I first started standing. Yeah, me too. I did was that too. on those things. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, uh, like I was saying to you guys before earlier, like, um, yeah, that hot summer day, I went to 7 Eleven, getting a Slurpee. Then I was like just cruising around, saw the magazine aisles, and I was just like, um, yeah, saw um, Snowboard Canada. Mm-hmm. And, um, that, Oh, actually, now I remember the cover too. There was a cover of Chris Brown airing nice. like a sick little, like there's a sweet little like tree jib, like just a little like pole jam kind of style. Yeah. And he's just like poking like a little indie off of it. He was writing for shorties. So cool. Was he writing for shorties at the time? Chris Brown? Or was it the mm. Chris Brown from Burton? Because there was two Chris Browns back in the day. I think it was the Burton one now that I'm remembering. Gotcha. Yeah, he I was. Think I think it loved, was. I loved his style. I loved the fact that he was all like Terrier where he's like, fuck this and fuck that. I'm out. Like he was just sick of all the bullshit of being a pro rider. Totally. Yeah. He's a rad dude. I don't know much about him, but I know he partnered up with uh, blue Montgomery for a little while on, I'm not sure if they did capital together. I don't want to drop things. I don't know, but yeah, keep going. Oh, Oh wait. Oh, uh, Oh wait. No, not now. I know it's Brown. You think of Jason Brown. Oh, it is Jason, Jason Brown. Brown. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He started, uh, so it would have been shorties, Chris Brown right. that was on the cover. Right. And Jason Brown was the one that helped start right. Capita back in the day before. Yeah. Jason Brown's a shit. Yeah. He yeah, totally dude. disappeared. Yeah, he did. Blue, he was, Blue alludes to that somewhere. I read something about it in an article where he's just like, he's like, take care of everything. You just, I'm, I'm out. That's pretty much what he said to Blue. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm out. <laughs> so, you got it from here. Yeah. I don't know where it is. I don't remember anymore. But uh, okay. So yeah. So you Snowboard Canada magazine, Chris, uh, yeah, Chris Brown on the cover. I think it was Shorties. And then uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and then I just remember like yeah, it was a hot summer, July. So I remember buying that magazine, and then like, and I was like, kind of really kind of like overly protective too that I bought the magazine. Like I was saying, like you know, it felt like a porno mag, like just like hiding <laughs> it. Like I just don't want to feel like a poser just because I haven't even started snowboarding and I'm right. like buying all this stuff about it. So I'm right. like, oh, like right. I don't want my friends to judge me, and they also skate too, so they're just like. What the fuck's that you know, in your hand? Want, <laughs> yeah, like, 
what are you, under, a poser kind of thing? <laughs> kept it under your mattress. <laughs> exactly. Under your pillow. And yeah, I just remember flipping through it, mm-hmm. and um, there was a interview in it of, with Kevin Sansalone, mm. and Kevin just became instantly like my favorite pro. Yeah. Um, it's so funny now that I work with him up at Baldface, so like so funny, like the full circle mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, like and then so that was my first snowboard i got was an option kevin sansloan but uh before i jump into that though um so i got really into snowboarding and then um that winter my mom got me like a a, like a a big like kind of rental package right for for snowboarding up at digmar ski hill the old garbage dump yeah buddy and um so it wasn't just like one rental package it was like you know like maybe three tries or something that's, like that that's so lift cool. ticket yeah you know yeah lift ticket rental and then so we went uh what would you january have, would you get boots with that too or you had to bring your own boots no you had the old stinky rental boots right right that you get that were like super soft and oh, actually you no know, were they clip-ons maybe they're clips oh step-ons. The, the, yeah those i think they the were K2 step-ons clips. yeah that's what they did at uh, dagmar they were doing I those for a while i think they were yeah, i think they, they were because yeah i remember them being like so stiff and like really hard to get on and off yeah, and that, um that would have been the era i was yeah. i was out of snowboarding at that point for 10 years but yeah that was the classic rental times like here you go here's your step on no straps easy um but yeah i remember my first time going was night skiing with my with my buddy uh dave porter my best friend from elementary school nice. and uh yeah i just got like destroyed like well, yeah. i never seen my butt and knees like so black and purple <laughs> it was ice frozen dagmar's the ice ice palace man oh so was oh, it was brutal yeah and then yeah and then uh yeah and then my mom was just like uh, after we finished she's like if you could do this like the same thing next weekend would you want to do it i'm just like no like i'm so <laughs> over this but uh she kept like um plugging it and and pushing me to keep trying it and and uh sure enough i i totally fell in love with snowboarding and um ended up How, yeah it took me like maybe a year or two i was like 15 16 when yeah, i started she, snowboarding she, she wanted to get you the fuck out of the house that's what she was doing. <laughs> yeah oh, that's right <laughs> <laughs> but she also knew like my drive of snow right she right, knew like right. snow was like my right. favorite thing and, right and i wasn't that's too awesome. big into skiing like i've you know i've never ever ever been in ski boots once in my life yeah i was once in my I've life i've always too. been uh i've always been a snowboarder me too okay and, we're, we're um, gonna we're gonna kind of touch back on that in a bit but uh so did you did you ever in that scene back east did you ever get into competing at all like did you do any races no actually any... the only thing i did was uh actually got into instructing nice. oh right okay. so like i started snowboarding like 15 16 so when like when i think when i was 17 or 18 I became instructor at Lake Ridge. So yeah. you get your Cassie one. Yeah. And and then uh, I was really into half, half, half pipe riding. Yeah. Because Lake Ridge had like the built pipe there. Yeah. And um, but actually I started really getting into rails. Like that was like my thing. Um, so the slope style thing was what you were doing was, as far as that goes. Totally. And actually I started walking away from resorts and actually – you know, living in Ontario, uh, I got more into just kind of the streets in a way, like hitting right, right, rails and right. 
building random setups and yeah, uh we did that too actually like it was the, down in pickering let me catch up down in pickering you know on the harbor down the down down where the hell would it be down by the lake i forget where the hell it was now but we used to just ride right there because it was a little bit of a hump and we just brought our little rail we built and we just do little sessions like yeah just, we just needed somewhere to get a little little momentum right totally yeah. yeah that's the same with myself like in my backyard i had the smallest hill like when i look at it now at my dad's place i'm like I don't know how I spent hours upon hours like yeah. snowboarding here, just riding this little feature. And, uh, yeah, I just got like addicted to it. Like I'm like, it's crazy. Like I've never found something to be so like passionate about. That's never like my passion has never disappeared. Like, no, the stoke gets stronger. From, yeah. Yeah. Like from when I was 15 to like, I'm 30, I'm going to be 35 next week. And so it's almost 20 years I've been snowboarding. And I still have like the same drive. Yeah, Nothing. that's. I find the same thing because I'm I'm the same as you in that sense. I started riding. Now I was much older, but but and I am older than you right now. But uh, but I started riding in 2000 as well, and I just haven't stopped since. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I hear you. That was my bug too. And it's just and all the different like you know you've seen a lot of different like patterns and waves and stuff change in snowboarding, but like. Yeah, just my mindset's never really changed. And and then, like, when I did snowboard or start snowboarding, was the whole, like, jibbing era that started. Like, um, like Forum was, like, the big thing. J.P. Walker, Jamie Jones, and, like, Bajon Linus. And then, like, going into, like, the Destroyer days, too, with, like, Whitey Productions, mm-hmm. like, Scotty Whitlake and Mikey LeBlanc. Like, those were, like, the guys that, like, mm-hmm. I looked up to. Well, Kevin Sanson was always my favorite pro, but, like, um, but yeah, just like the whole, and like jibbing is so easy to relate to in Ontario. It's like looking at powder and magazines and stuff. I'm like, what is that? Like, right. well, especially All the street scene is- too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you, how did you evolve from there and end up out West chasing pow? Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's funny enough, uh, snowboard Canada going to keep bringing that one back. Okay. Around, that's okay, um, <laughs> that's where I we are and what we do. The, mm-hmm. Totally. If it wasn't for that, uh, you know, I feel like Snowboard Canada has really uh, pulled me in a lot of different cool directions. But um, there is an article about about Roslyn, about Red Mountain, oh, um, yeah. in there, and I remember seeing it. And I'm like, this place looks so cool. Like all the photos are in these really cool, like mystic-y kind of looking trees with tons of lichen and just like. It just looked like a fantasy in a world, in a way. Like, I'm can, just like, can we say it looked like a winter wonderland? And for you dude, can totally say that, <laughs> a dude who is all about snow and being out there, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. I had the same froth when I was decided to move out west. That's what I was dreaming of, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And it's funny too. It's like it was a, a small scale article too. Like it wasn't like any big pros that they sent there. It was just the local guys that gave me. Rizzuto and like um, a couple of my like my buddies nowadays and then so I saw that article like it was probably like 2003 I think it was in there and I moved out west 2005 to Banff and I did a season there and but Rosin always stayed in my head and I moved there in 2006 nice and um and then as soon as I moved there like like uh, I did 13, 13, 14 years there, something like that. 13 years, yeah, 13. And um, 
yeah, just like, and it's so funny too, because when I first got there, um, you know, actually my first two seasons at West sucked. Like I tore my MCL and, and Banff and in December. So I didn't come back till February, March. And then my first season in Roslyn, I broke my ankle in December again. So my first two seasons, I was kind of like, um, didn't get much time riding in, but, uh, I stayed the full year in Roslyn, like, uh, with, with breaking my ankle and then, um, got back and then working through the, the summer there, I actually ended up working with Jamie Rizzuto. And then it was just so funny because I'm like, you're the reason I pretty much like moved to Roslyn. Cause I had like his photo, like right. up on my wall, of, like some sick air. And, um, that's so it's just so funny the how like small the world can be, well, what's funny especially about, in the snowboarding world. Yeah, well, oh, what's absolutely. funny about what you're saying is we just had a conversation with Ken on the previous mes- uh, episode where he talks about manifesting the future for action right. sports, <laughs> uh, back in, back in the eighties. And he talks about how him and his buddy were sitting on the deck of a half pipe with their BMXs. And they're like, what's like the year 2020 going to be like? And he's like, people will be riding, getting paid, be on TV, skateboarding will be on TV, snowboarding will be on TV, mountain bike will be on TV. BMX will be on TV. BMX yeah. on TV. <laughs> and he's like, I woke up one day, like in the in 2000, I don't know if he was drunk. I don't remember the, that whole thing. But he said he woke up from like the dream and he's like, dude, I predicted all this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, manifesting, dude. That's so you good. say it and it happens. Yeah, you manifest. Manifesting is insane. We are like, in control of our what destiny. You put in, yep. Exactly, 100%. Mm-hmm. What so, you put into the universe? Sorry, go on. Man. No, no, I agree. That's, I, I, I live and breathe by the universal energy of the world will, or the universal energy will guide you and take you. you gotta, whether you want to take it there or not, it gives you all the signs. Mm-hmm. People, like my big philosophy in life is... Um, pretty much like determination is the key to success Absolutely. and the only person that can truly truly stop you is yourself yeah yeah winners don't quit and quitters always and quitters can quitters never win so that's the bottom line that's exactly it <laughs> so so you moved out to roslyn you uh you had some little mishaps and some broken stuff and you, you kind of lived through oh, that i want to know the story of your broken ankle is it good oh uh my ankle is good now but it you know what it was weird i had this uh yeah, in my teens, um, I broke my ankle in four different ways, and it never really healed properly. It's because you grew so, too like, fast. So, like, the first time, yeah, the first time I jumped off a U-Haul on New Year's. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I broke my ankle, and then I went on New Year's Day to get an x-ray, but the x-rays were down. And the doctor that saw it, he's like, oh, you're just swollen, like, oh, you'll be good. Yeah. And um, in six days, I was flying to California to go Big Bear, because I was all my jibbing days. So I Mm. wanted to go to big bear and go jib and I flew out there and I still went riding on my broken ankle. And then in March I rebroke it again. I aired this jump and landed wrong. I just heard a crack. I was like, Oh, and then, um, but I didn't actually get properly casted until the fourth time I broke it, which was in, in Roslyn. (laughs) And then I saw a doctor and he was just like, you're really close to needing like surgery and plates and stuff in this. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> crazy. Not ideal. I'm not even thinking about it. No. I'm so going, then, I'm uh, going through a bit so of an I ankle thing that. right now and it's not fun. Oh, ankle suck. Yeah, yeah. Ankle suck. My other one's got like stretch out tendons. Like I used to skate and I can't, yeah. I had to choose like skateboarding or snowboarding. I'm like 100% snowboarding. So yeah, I haven't course. skateboarded in like Risk and rewards much higher in snowboarding than skateboarding. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I love skating. There's like it's such a cool feeling about it. But my, I'm, like like I was saying to you before, like I'm six seven. Like I'm tall. Like skateboarding, I make skateboards look kind of small. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. I just bought a deck again. Actually, I just uh, with my son. He's eleven. He like just, a pool deck or no uh, a skate deck. I started skating again. Just kind of rolling nice. around. Tried I like to, to get a pool deck. Like a, like a for like for skating bulls. Like yeah. a, sorry, yeah, I mean a bull deck. A bull deck. There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I got to. Uh, Just skating bulls. Nothing to like. Uh, no. But yeah, go on. Yeah. No, that's that's it. That's it. So let's bring us into. So where are you getting into this backcountry love? Uh, where did that come from? Because you're all about jibbing right now. We're talking about. So let's get us totally. Get us. You know what? Uh, was your like, first I'm, taste of pow? Totally. Like so, uh, when I first moved to Sun uh, to Banff, I rode at Sunshine and like Louise. And nice. I remember um, before going out there, I bought myself like a, like, a, what did I have? I had a 170 option supercharger. I was just like, I'm getting, like, I'm going to Alberta. I'm going to get like right. a big board because I'm like used to riding like 152. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me being so tall, like, yeah, <laughs> I know. But, uh, Ontario small. But, uh, yeah, totally. Like, like, I don't think I rode anything over a 160 in Ontario. No. And, um, so yeah, I remember first riding like it was like a fifteen centimeter centimeter like powder dump and just eating it. Like yeah. I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and like had like such a huge board and just like it's taking like you I'm for such a, a big board and yeah, I couldn't even handle it because it's a camber too and like yeah, yeah. I'm going over the handlebars left, right, and center, hitting so many rocks because it's the Rockies and I don't understand where I'm supposed to go and so like. Um, like Rockies was kind of like my first one, but then I tore my MCL. And so that kind of put me out to the season. I did like a three off a, like this little kicker at yeah. sunshine. And that ended yeah. up when I landed was right in front of a tree and, oh. and I smoked the tree head on with my, with my knee. And, <sighs> and then I was just like, I felt like I should be fine. So I tried to put a little weight on it and my knee gave out. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to get sledded off of here. And uh, luckily, it was like it was hanging on by like a thread. So um, I saw one of the best doctors, knee doctors too, in Banff, and he got me back on my board in pretty much like eight weeks. It was crazy what? for like an MCL tear. Yeah, not not so like, ironic that there's a great knee doctor in I, Banff. I, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was thinking yeah, I know. That you just threw words out of my mouth on that one. <laughs> yeah, it was like the best of like the best scenario in the crappy scenario kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't until, like, I moved to, to Roslyn when I first, like, because, um, like, you know, getting to the, the real Kootenai interior yeah, powder. No doubt. And, like, because that is, like, honestly, like, the best spot. Like, the coast is amazing, but it's, it gets kind of heavy at times. Mm-hmm. Rockies is amazing, but it gets a little too dry. Too cold. And then, yeah. yeah, you're right in the right mix. Like, So it's funny it's, because uh, back in 2000 when I was – flying into Castlegar, as locals like to call it, Cancelgar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as I was flying in, I remember pulling the magazine out of the seat in front of me in, in the plane and just kind of flipping through, and I came across this article called The Powder Triangle, and it talked about the Kootenai region, basically, right? Rosslyn to Revy to now, like, that whole area, right? And, mm-hmm. how, uh, and how much snow, like 80 feet annually on average yeah, right? and I was insane. just like my like mind, this year in Reddy was insane I know my mind was blowing up right and I, and I was flying into Nelson and that's when I was at the time a retired skier 
and decided that, uh, yeah, I was going to run up to Whitewater and learn how to snowboard. That's sick. Which was, which was a fun experience, and it, it got me addicted. Boom. First run, hated it. Second run, loved it. Done. <laughs> and Whitewater is such a great spot, too. Like, yeah, it is. I've never yeah. been that deep into the train there is amazing, and it's just like you know, there's nothing like um, extreme or like crazy like imbalance, but it's perfect like just flowing with friends and family. It was, and the then first... if you want to get a little, sorry, yeah, sir, it, no, 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 it was, it was the first time. I'm just saying, like you know how you drive up the road into the resort. Totally. And there's just riders standing on the side of the road, thumb and rides back up. To <laughs> exactly, the road, right? yeah. Because nice. that was the first time I'd experienced that culture, right? And nice. that, and the whole idea of backcountry for me, that was the first time, and that was the first That's time awesome. I was going snowboarding too, right? And I was just like, I hadn't even strapped in for the first time, and I already knew I wanted to be part of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Nelson's yeah. got a magical vibe, and like the food up there too at Whitewater. Oh, oh. My gosh. the food everywhere in Nelson is amazing. It's incredible. My wife and I, we. We both love strong black coffee, so my mother-in-law ships us Oso Negro all the time. Oh, well, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So you- yeah, and then so, um, yeah, like, yeah, I was in Roslyn 20, 2006, 2007, and then, yeah, I was, like, working at the condos, and then that's, um, so up at the Ski Hut Red, they're building all these, like, new condos at the time, and... I was um, doing like drywall and insulation and just working my butt off. And that's when I first uh, started getting like hearing about like split boards and like seeing them. And then so, yeah, what must have been 2007, I bought my first split board. Nice. Sweet. That was going to be the next question. So what board was it? Yeah, it was a prior spearhead. Or the green base. I see Super- it on your Instagram. Was it a used board or was it brand new? It was brand new. Like since nice. I was still like a casting instructor, I could get like a discount from oh, them. Oh yeah. I think it was like forty or sixty percent off. It was pretty sweet. And so I got like a prior uh, Kyber solid and then a prior spearhead split. Sick. And uh, I was so stoked on it. But then uh, it's so funny. Like all my first like intros to places, I just get like ransacked in a way. So my my fifth day splitboarding, I snapped it. Like I aired this little this little clip, not even a clip. It was like a little pedal drop, and it landed on like a spruce that was like knee height. Oh yeah. And it was just enough where just one of the skis um, landed it, and it snapped right in front of my nose. Oh. And uh, and I did like a quick little rag doll, and then I connect back to my buddies, and I'm like, oh, you know, that was oh, didn't see that tree. And then we get to the bottom, just like, ah, oh, like my nose is done. Like <laughs> it was like flexed up and like wasn't even connected to like the other side of the board. And crazy. So I kind of felt like split boards were kind of dumb. And I went back to snowshoes. And oh, wow. so, they, yeah, that was in 2007. And then I did a full season on snowshoes. And then my buddy Lee had this old prior carver like it must have been like a 2005 or 2006 split and so he had it for 200 bucks and i was still rocking like the fillet plates with like binding screwed into them and and then so i was like screw it like 200 bucks like i might as well try back this splitboarding thing because a bunch of my friends ski toured like i was the only splitboarder in rosin i think there was one other person no way. Um, Craziness. So I was 
pretty like I was pretty much like the the starter in a way. Head of the curve, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess splitboarding splitboarding was still pretty new then, though. Hey, back it was yeah. like two thousand was like when it was like getting projected, and then two thousand five was when it was like I think he had like prior valet. Um, I think Caracorn was in that time frame, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when they started beginning. Spark jumped out probably like two thousand six ish or maybe. But I'm trying to think. There's three board companies. Prior, prior valet. There's one other one. That, oh, Venture. Venture's Venture. been making boards for ages. And I think and, there's another. And the DIY thing. people that just built their own. They just and DIY cut it and do their thing. Totally. And then yeah, this prior Kyber off my buddy. And like it had like probably like a, an inch width between the two skis. Like when you had it all connected together, what? it was so janky. <laughs> like it was like so old and just used. And like um, anytime I had to like ride through alders, it would just like grab them and like cartwheel me. And so no, I'll just no. be like trying to get through like at the end of the certain runs and rods and like you have to go through alders. And I'm just like, just like getting clipped all these. No, oh, it was a nightmare oh, at times. Man. Like, my buddies would be just laughing at me because they're just, like, watching me, like, I'm coming. Oh, another alder flip. <laughs> so I see what you mean by ransacked. So they, that's craziness, man. So, oh, yeah. So you, you graduated. But that split did, lasted for ages. It did, eh? And you kept riding it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then, um, so I'll just go through, like, a little bit of my timeline because yeah, it yeah. kind, of, <clears throat> kind of grew. Did and then get, so did 2010. You, did you have your Avi, Avi, any Avi courses? Any? How did you? Yeah, like... I took my. I took my. I think it was called. Uh, like so before AST one, I think it was a rec, rec course, wasn't recreational, something. I don't. Know, I forget what it's called, but um, I took that in 2007. Okay. So like before I even got a splitboard, I think I took it. Okay. Took an AST one, um, but I do remember like my first season and when I was in Banff. I remember going out to Kicking Horse and riding in Super Bowl with no gear. Like me and my buddy, it's so funny now because we joke about because he's now like a full time patroller at at uh, Red, <laughs> and I'm like uh, looking back. And I'm how did we survive all those days, right? <laughs> yeah, and now we're looking back and we're like, I can't believe what we did. Like we would go boot pack into open open bowls, and not even just like tree slopes, but right. open bowls. And then I just shred them, like no backpacks, no anything. And people be like, uh, where's your Abbey gear? And I'm like, no, Abbey gear. What's like, that? What's, what's Abbey gear? Because <laughs> I'm just like a punk kid from Ontario. Right? So then, so when I moved to Rosin, I, I kind of got like, it was actually a really good kind of place because I got introduced to some good skier friends and they kind of pushed to do the avalanche courses and get trained up and. Um, I actually took my operations level one in 2010. Oh, All right. So like I kind of jumped into like the snow science part pretty, um, pretty quickly. Is that, and, is that um, where you started to, um, cause like you, you mentioned bald face. So did you start working for operators guiding, like learning how to guide and do that kind of, is that about the same time as when you got your operation? I didn't, I didn't start guiding until 2018. Oh, okay. So winter of 2018. Right. Actually, I did, tr- you know, it's, it's so funny. Like, uh, I go back into the ransack, but um, I actually tried to get into guiding, I think it was like 2011-ish, maybe like 2012. And I remember I was going to work for Valhalla Powder Cats and Big Red Cats. 
And then, um, yeah, I was like, I think it was right before Christmas, the classic December um, hijinks I get tricked on me. But I was like, I was just like cruising along and I just hit like a, a rut and just really um, shook up my ankle. And that was like when I was like skating a lot too. And like I had to make the choice of between skateboarding and snowboarding because now like my ankles were just not being able to absorb as much when I was snowboarding. Like anytime I hit like frozen chunder or chunks or something. Um, so yeah, I ended up hurting my ankle and had to forfeit my position at, at Big Red Cats and Valhalla Powder Cats. And, oh. and, um, and then when I came back, so I think I had to take a couple of weeks off and I came back riding like Jan Feb. And then, um, my full focus was like, I'm like, I'm done with like focusing on like guiding or like trying to make, um, trying to like please people in a way. And I'm right. just like, right. I just want to, I just want to do focus my own. Focus on you. Yeah. And then, so pretty much from like 2014 to now, I went like super hardcore into split boarding. Like it took me a few years to get like the skills and right. like um, comfortable and just get get to know the right people and and that's what we're gonna get into. So let's how did you get into like what do you start your day with when you um, get a tour? You got a, a planned date. You're gonna go either with a group of people. You don't really go on your own a lot, I hope, um, for the splitboard tours. But um, what do you do the day before you go? You have a planned day. Like what's what's Mike's plan set mindset um, all that stuff <laughs> yeah totally so like for myself i'm uh, like a weather hawk like i honestly stare at weather probably like the most out of anything i look on the internet mm -hmm. and um as you might like see like through like my instagrams and stuff now like a lot of people are always like how do you always get it like lined up and like you're always getting like you're always in the right spot the right time the right place it's because i always like that's all I do. Like when I'm not splitboarding, I just like I'm figuring out when's the next time to go into like a certain zone. And for myself nowadays, like I don't have like one thing like I'm looking to do. I have like like a whole giant list of all these things I want to do, yeah. and then I just like this see is the time for this. See this the is time for that. See when the weather's good for those in those areas you want to hit. Exactly, exactly. And then it comes down to the people. Um, I've learned. I've definitely pushed people way over the comfort zones and I've also, um, you know, found like the right people that like jive with me. So it's about finding the right, uh, the right task for the day with the right people. Right. So that's the other thing that comes down to is like, who am I touring with? And then that's going to choose the terrain and the length of the day and, um, the, the, the overall like experience kind of thing. But, right, right. um, my, my main homie, uh, that I always ski tour with and live with now, my buddy Logan, he goes as Logan, Logan. And, um, with, when I'm with him though, honestly, I feel like we can do anything because we've been touring together for almost like 10 years. I want to say, 
And uh, there's times in the mountains, like, we don't even need to really communicate. Right. Where we already know what each other is thinking. That's if someone's huge. like, I don't feel this, that hits there's huge. no questions asked. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's just like, all right, you don't feel it. I don't feel it. Let's let's back out. And that's what that's what if you said you listen to Abby um, Abby's episode, and, and that's what she talks about having that voice and not being afraid to talk and communicate. I think men have that tendency to kind of back off and be like, well, I'm, I'm not really, I'm kind of new at this. This feels sketchy, but I'm not going to say anything because they should know better because they're more experienced. Totally. And that's that's a huge no no. Um, and I've learned that. Like this is again, this is our tour, our our journey with learning about this, and we've got mentors with everybody who. We're interviewing to get and learn more and share. Was there any interview? Who's a mentor of yours that you've kind of latched on to to get you where you are and where you think or where you want to go? Because we're going to manifest this. Where you want to go down the road? Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest guy I have to say, because honestly, I wouldn't be where I am without him. Would be Kyle Miller. Do you guys follow, follow Kyle at all? Not yet. He's kind of disappeared. Like he was, he was the guy to kind of look up to for splitboarding back in like mm, 2010-ish to like 2018 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on Eddie Bauer for a good long, long time, like many, many, many years. And um, so they funded a lot of his travels and his right. trips. And I've heard he good, was like... I've heard good things about them actually, like through, oh, talking to people. Well, with Eddie Bauer? Yeah. Yeah, they make great stuff with the First Ascent Project. Yeah. And um, so Kyle, um, he was like the the splitboard gypsy that I like looked up to, and I first met him at um, the Canuck Split Fest in Rogers Pass, which is now in Revelstoke. Oh yeah. And um, I remember first meeting him there and just being like, "Dude, like, you're such a legend! Like, I want to, like, <laughs> I just want to learn from you. I want to know as much as like possible." And like, this is like 2012 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then in 2014, like we just stayed in contact, and uh, I randomly like it was just over summer, and I'm just like I'm going to New Zealand, so I went over to New Zealand. Didn't I knew like I had a bunch of friends from there from Roslyn, but not too many of like the in splitboarding. Right. And then I knew Kyle was over there too, so we started chatting, and he needed a partner, and then he's like, "Well, you want to." Join me for all these crazy adventures, and I was like, "100 percent." I'm in, right? And uh, exactly, and I was over my head, like, "Holy smokes!" Like I'm trying to keep up with this guy that just crushes. Like he's just—he's one of the biggest crushers I've ever, I've ever gone out with in the mountains, and and he pretty much like took me under his wing with a lot of it, his other like New Zealand friends, and like I've never put on crampons or use ice axes or been on glaciers or like anything like that. So it was really cool to um, just get thrown into that world. And like, I just remember so many times just being gripped of being like, like, okay, now we're switching over to like crampons and ice axes. And we're just going to like boot up this crazy <laughs> frozen face. I'm just like, oh, I don't even know how to put on crampons. Like, right. <laughs> So and, that's, all, um, that's all right. I don't either. Neither do I. That's why you're here. Um, go ahead. Yeah, keep going. Oh, yeah. And then so, but yeah, they just took me under their wing in 2014. And I remember I was always the guy like so far behind, like just ooh, trying to keep up. And then 2015, I went back to New Zealand. Same thing, like went um, tour with Kyle again out there because he's, 
he was he was going like all four corners of the world as the season went. So he would spend like his winters in his homeland in Washington, like around Mount Rainier. Then he would go to like Norway for like the spring, and then he would go to like uh, New Zealand for like the winter, and then like the fall go, you know, somewhere else kind of thing. And so he was always like in the spot to go to go splitboarding. And then so I went back in 2015, and then joined him and our other New Zealand friends and. Like uh, one buddy, Ryan Nickel, he just, he's another guy actually you guys should chat to. He's, um, we call him like the the mountain goat of mm. New Zealand because he's just a little, he's super light and he, he's always just whew, going so fast. And then, so yeah, I went back in 2015 and I felt like I had a little bit more like experience and a lot, a little bit more like physique to keep up. And right, then, right. but I was still like the one in the back. And then it was 2017 was like when I felt like the switch. And that's when my third time I went to New Zealand. Kyle wasn't there. I didn't do it that year. But I met, met up with like my other friends in New Zealand. And that's when I felt like the switch. Now, like I wasn't the guy in the back anymore. I was like leading. I was like getting the experience, getting different uh, ideas of what things to ride and all that kind of stuff and so but yeah Kyle really just like took me under his wing and like if you want to become a ski mountaineer like this is what you got to do and it's not easy and it's like the biggest thing he taught me is like the mountains don't follow your agenda and like no if if you want to do like a line or something like that you have to do all the homework the research and be there at the right time right place to to connect it all or you're going to miss your window. And then he really kind of drilled that into me. And the one thing I hated and it's perfect for your, your podcast was like dark starts and like the Alpine, like the Alpine starts was just like, I'm like, I like to sleep in like (laughs) getting up before dark and like starting under headlamps. Like, I don't know if I'm into this, like, what am I going to poop? And then like, when, when should I eat for breakfast? And like all these little things. And now I'm like, now, like, my mindset's so different. Like, like this year, so many times I started at, like, 3 a.m. Or, like, um, you know. It's just, so, there's just something about being out there when the sun's coming up, too, right? And oh, just it's magical. That. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. But Kyle is definitely someone you guys should have, like, on your podcast as well. Because the amount of things I've learned from him, like, just little things. Like, say, for, like, winter camping, um, bringing, like, uh those um, little tea candles and like a little metal box kind of thing. You put your boot liner over that and dry them overnight. So um, you put the, you super, put the, you put the box over the tea candle and then put just, your a, just like, just a little, just like a little, like, you know how like, just to stop get, from like, lighting your liner on fire. Yeah. Just like a, like a little candle holder kind of thing. You know how it's got like a little metal oh, I know what oval you're talking about. Yep, yep, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, and then so you just kind of put your line, but you don't you want to watch them, of course, because they can easily burn. Or Dude, that's a stellar or, tip, though. Uh, so, you know what? You know what's funny, Mike, is that, like, you know part of this podcast, I or basically the main key to this is is for us to learn more and for the audience mm-hmm. to learn along with us, right? From people like yourself. Oh, so so many little things. Yeah, <laughs> and there's, that's something that we haven't touched on yet is winter camping, and that's something that and, I personally want to do more of. Oh, it's so much fun. And the, the other thing too, what Kyle taught me is how to go super light. So like I now do like weak traverses in the 40 liter pack kind of thing. Sweet. And 
I wouldn't have learned that info if it wasn't for from Kyle. Just do of, you like, do is that so? Is that everything in that pack, or is there anything yeah. hanging on the outside at all? No, no. Wow. Like okay. I've gone down to like bare minimums kind of thing, and so, like me and my buddy Logan just did a. Um, even though it was against against the uh, COVID times in a way, but in April it was kind of going crazy, and so me and my buddy Logan did a traverse through our, our backyard backyard being rebel soak right <laughs> and we did the gold range traverse which was like it was like 80 100 kilometers something like that but we went um pretty much all the way down to shelter bay 12 kilometers no south of that way and then toured all the way back to our house in, in the big eddy of, of rebel stoke and i actually didn't really put much of it on on instagram or, any, or anything like that kind of kept it right well, it's out there Just now. Just kept it secret. I know. I, I'm going to do a full trip report about it. You're going to send us pictures on that so we can use those. I've, I've taken that totally. ferry. Now, now every time I stop for that ferry, I'm going to be thinking about oh, your Oh, trip. yeah. Like, we, we went through that whole range. It was it's beautiful. The gold range is just incredible. Dude, and sick. But me and my buddy Logan went and we measured, not measured, but we weighed every single thing. Like, this is the first time I really went really? to, like, the whole, like, we're going down to like bare minimum, like, and, um, and that's also something I'm like working towards too, is like, how do I just keep stripping weight? And like, I want to do a traverse next year where I just want to just use a tarp, nothing, no tent, nothing, just like super bare tarp and, um, like a small therm, uh, thermo rest and sleeping bag and, you know, Keep it really light and small, and then have to keep the big us, thing is you got to keep us in the loop on that one, and we'll have to uh, totally check back and keep some pictures going. And uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. The big thing too is food. Food is like yes. the uh, um, the part because like food can take up a lot of space or weight, and so it's good to be like uh, smart about how to um, have enough food and also. Um, also have the plan in case something goes wrong and having extra food just in case you have to spend like an extra night or two out and gone that pretty dialed too. So what do you, what's your preference for food? What do you, is there a brand dried food you get? What's kind of your, yeah. Do you do your own or do you buy store bought um, freeze dried foods or it's dependent. Like, uh, last year I was definitely doing some more of my own dehydrated food. Like I'm, I'm, a I'm a plant-based athlete, so Sweet. I don't do any meat or cheese or anything like that. So, so doing your I own run, dehydrated meals is a piece of cake. Yeah, so I do like a lot of like, whether it be like tomato sauces and like one of my favorite ones is like making that with like lentils and walnuts. And um, it makes it like really hearty. Throw some mushrooms and onions in that. And um, nice. so that's really hearty and like fat, good fats in it as well. And, um, and then you just need to bring some pasta. I also like to make curries and dehydrate that. Um, one of my favorite things to do, like say like during the day is these like almost like rat bombs. I kind of like to like call them in a way, just like <laughs> whatever, like nut butter you want to use. And then like banana and like use like sliced pear or, um, you know, apple or peach or whatever you want to use. And then I just fill that with like hemp seeds and like different crutch nuts and um, um, chia you know, seeds. And you know like, what? You know what, Mike? I think we're gonna have to do a whole separate podcast on, on, yeah, totally. on the Mike like Wiggly, the Mike Wiggly backcountry cookbook. We just lost them. Oh, okay, no worries. Pause it. 
No, I, I'm not going to pause it. I'll just leave it running. I got to pee. So good. Yeah, call him back. You can take a leak and then, uh, I'll, I'll just keep chatting with him. You can ask more questions too. His Sorry, phone. did I leave you there? Yeah, did your phone die or something? Or No. That was weird. Yeah, it just, uh, the call dropped. Just dropped. Yeah, okay. no worries. Yeah, so uh, so we were talking about the cookbook thing. Like, dude, I think uh, I think that's amazing. I, well, I, I love I, the I fact grew that you with the mom as a chef too, so I'm kind of lucky in that way. Oh no way! Okay, so I can always just, I kind of have like a, a cooking, um, like in the back of my my mind, it comes pretty easily to me. Right. But uh, I can always just like call her up and be like, "What should I do?" Like, <laughs> now you're looking to do. So your mom's a chef. Mm-hmm. Okay, and is she? Now I'm just kind of curious. Is, are you plant based by your own choice, or is that something that your mom does as well? No, but um, she actually is moved more to plant based because of my decision. Um, it actually going back to New Zealand uh, back in 2017. I um, I was on this like what would be the best way? Like it was kind of like a so with New Zealand like. They have a lot of like dry approaches where it takes like sometimes maybe like a day or two days just to get to snow. Mm-hmm. And um, so me and my buddy went on this uh, splitboarding slash like hunting trip. And it was 16 kilometers to walk to the hut. And then once you're at the hut, you're pretty much really close to the Aerosmith's um, range. And then you got like glaciers and lots of sick couloirs and lines. And as we're going, um, like the one thing with New Zealand, like you don't have to worry about animals or anything like that. You just have to worry about the plants and, uh, and the weather. That's like your, the big factor you got to worry about. Like the plants are all stabby. Oh, that's um, what I was wondering what you meant about the plants (laughs) and the, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. there's like, there's like the spear grass that like, it stabbed me through Gore-Tex before. Like I brushed through and you can just feel it just like poking you. And then there's like the Matagori bush and like, that one has like all these needles on it and my buddy's crampons ended up getting ripped off his, his pack and we didn't notice. And we're on the 16 kilometer walk just to get to the hut. And then, so we get to the hut and then he's like, Oh crap, I don't have my crampons. Wow. And I'm just like, Oh shoot. Isn't, and, isn't um, the world, the world and mother nature just amazing. Man. <laughs> I know. It's just so funny. And then, so, but he's, He's like, oh, I still brought my rifle, so I'll just like um, go hunting kind of thing. And then, um, and then, sorry, going back into like uh, our carnivals, I do do a lot of solo travel. I don't recommend it, but I do recommend it in a different way because it's really good for your own mindset and to build the skills of how to read the mountains on your own. Yeah. But uh, I don't recommend people doing it. But uh, I feel like I've gone ahead a lot by doing a lot of solo travel. But anyways, I went up and uh, climbed Mount Aerosmith and then I rode back down and, you know, it took me all kind of day kind of thing. And I got back down and I, and my buddy is just like, he's got a spot and he's, he sees these like, um, these Himalayan deer, they're called uh, tar and um, they're coming down like the rock area. And then I started thinking in my head, like, how can I like kind of notify them that like, we're here, but not piss off my buddy that I'm kind of like, you know, pushing it, pushing away his like hunt kind of thing. And then that's when I realized I'm like, 
wait, if I think this way, why do I eat meat? And then that's when it switched. And then when I got back to Canada, I made the decision to just try it out. And then as soon as I've become plant-based, like, um, a lot of things have changed. Like, I don't like to say, like, the word vegan because I'm not, like, vegan. Like, I still use, like, down, whatever. It's just, like, my what I put in my body is just, like, plant-based. But the odd time I'll eat, like, cheese or eggs or milk like if it's just like put into something i don't like to be fussy or anything like that like yeah, it can I, be problem working at lodges i know i know there's there's many 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 good reasons for going plant-based and we can get super deep into it that's for sure but what's interesting mm-hmm. the most interesting part about it and it's something that i never considered before is how beneficial it is for backcountry touring and packing your pack and being able to dehydrate and have a light pack but have all the nutrition that you're going to need Totally. For what you're doing. So that's super stellar because when I did my long distance hike, you know, I I ate all freeze dried meals and there was definitely a lot of meats in those, right? I mean, dehydrating Mm -hmm. meats and then rehydrating them. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I know the benefits of a plant-based diet are really good, especially when you're burning a lot of calories and you need all that protein. Totally. But the one thing I will say though, is like, I know it's not for everyone, and, um, like if, for anyone listening to, it's just like, find what works for your body. Like, right. and so that was like my test. Like, like, I just want to see how my body would work without it. And I didn't find any negatives. Like I'm finding like, I like have a lot of energy, have a lot of power, have Absolutely. a lot of um, consistency. Yep. So it works for me. But I do know people that have tried it and they're like, I need like meat in my diet. It's just like. Some people just like we all we, we all work differently, and Absolutely. so the best thing is that I just want people to find what works for them. Absolutely, like I I locally here in town I play a lot of squash, and there's a guy I play squash with who is he was over 300 pounds, and you know, j- but he's a tall guy too, right? He's a big frame guy, and I'm not going to say he was obese. He definitely was not obese, overweight easily, and I think he would agree with me on that. But he switched to a, a whole food plant based diet about a year ago as well as he cut alcohol out of his diet entirely. And he's just a changed person physically. Oh, wow. He's changed person mentally. Like he lost over a hundred pounds and he kicks my ass on the squash court now, which <laughs> I used to be able to run around him. No problem. <laughs> Especially as a 52 year old dude, you know, and he's like, he's about your age, you know, <laughs> he's like, yeah, now he's to, like, I got you. That's right. Oh, he's got me big time. He's got my number. I cannot <laughs> keep up with him. That's for sure. My body's deteriorating and his is just going, growing stronger. But one of the things that he's mentioned to me is that he said, I have way more energy now, just yeah. way more energy. And I'm sure that comes along with losing all that weight. But additionally, he's like, the other thing too, Darren, is he's like, I have no joint pain whatsoever. None at all. So I thought that was amazing. And for me, being, I'm not going to call myself an athlete. I was never an athlete. Uh, I'm not, (laughs) I'm certainly not an athletic guy. Um, But I I like to get after it and I'm not stopping. I like to go. I like to do stuff. And one of the things that I, and I'm kind of sidetracking a little bit here, but, and we've talked about this before, actually, with Maddie Haynes, we talked about this. One of the things that I really love about splitboarding, I love the tour up. I love the burn. Mm-hmm. I love the exercise. And for me, it's all about the reward at the end. There's no question. I'm in, I'm in the same and boat too. I might only get one or two runs in sometimes, but man, it's so worth it. Yeah. It is so worth it to yeah. put in that day. And I feel so stoked at the end of the day for what I totally, accomplished. Totally, just connecting. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's weird. It's when what, I, uh, go ahead. 
like it's like um it's one of like the forms of meditation like Absolutely. meditation can come in four different forms whether it's like sitting standing lying down or walking and like walking down or walking is a very brilliant way of of meditating and splitboarding definitely gives you the quite a meditative feel I agree. And everybody's a little bit different. You know, like the guy who got me into splitboarding and I'll shout him out, Drew Rogers, you're the man. Um, he, he got me into it and he's an animal. Like he just turned 34 yesterday, I think. And he, uh, he's big into running and he, and he's a big fitness guru or I shouldn't say guru. He's a bit of a, I'll use a Maddie Haynes term. He's a fitness nerd. And uh, he loves to do a lot of running. I hate running. I think it's the stupidest thing you can do to your body ever. But uh, <laughs> And that's only because I can't do it. I'm just jealous, really, to be honest with you. But but he is in top form. You know, We go into the backcountry oh, together, and he's always way ahead in front of me. And I'm a slower guy. I'm always at the back. But I'll always get there. I always get there. You know, I never shut mm-hmm. down. I never give in. Um, you know, I'm used to false summits and rounding a hill and and you know it never yeah especially after the the trail yeah it never beats me down right i just Mm -hmm. it's part of what it is and i know the end is going to come and it's going to be glorious when i get there Mm -hmm. it's fun and then like and going back to that too and like it's all about like finding your own pace right yeah Uh, like that can be like the challenge of split playing like oh i want to be like keep up with that person or that it's like just do it at your own rhythm and like things will, will will flow like yeah connect yeah and you know and like, i and i've done split no, but like racing up there yeah and <laughs> i've I've gone splitboarding with skiers before and and they're super chill people you know and if they aren't then that's probably the last tour we're going to do together to be honest with you, you <laughs> exactly and yeah it's all about the vibe i yeah. exactly exactly hey so let's let's kind of get back to your pack a little bit so it's it's a little bit of a trend that we've been on um, with our guests and, and, you know, cause split boarding in your packs, it, it all it's, goes together, it's right? A, it's, it's a big you. part, mm-hmm. part of you, right? So. so, I mean, I mean, we, we can talk about boards, we can talk about bindings, we can talk about boots, but your pack is, it's that, that one thing that there's a lot of differences on, not well, that there it, isn't it on the you, other gear, it makes but you unique on the mountain as well. Yeah. So totally. when, when you go on a day tour, do you, do you carry an airbag? I, I personally don't use an airbag. Okay. Um, it's not like the reason, like I have a few different reasons. There's like nothing really wrong against them. It's like also like the choice of terrain, like say if you're in trees an airbag's not a safe thing to have. Right. Cause like say if you got in an avi in trees, um, you stay higher on the snow and you can actually get like, um, just pulled into trees and get hit with trauma. Right. And just get smashed up because now you're just like a balloon that's just staying on kind of float kind of thing. And, um, and while guiding, we actually recommend people like to pull away the triggers when we're in the trees and just have them on like open slopes kind of kind of thing. That's um, interesting. That We haven't heard that one no, before. We that's interesting. Good, yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then the other factor is like weight and like what sure. I can fit into my bag. Um, but now that like, the technology's coming there and you're getting like more kind of like um uses out of it not just like the one-time use with the compression air but right. having more like the battery operated system just because like say if i'm on like a traverse and i have like one pole that kind of makes me a little apprehensive but the other thing is like the false the false yeah, sense uh, of security 
yeah exactly yeah I've just being like oh i got an airbag like i can ride this and something happens i'll just pull the thing and then so in my mindset if you don't feel comfortable or if you feel like you need an airbag should you be riding the slope kind of thing well that's a great point because just recently i think i saw something online and it was down in the states and it was this past winter where this was a sledding accident um but this is something interesting to note that it was a father and son route sledding and uh son was trying to high mark and he was in a, a pinch and it slid and he went down and it culminated in a little bowl at the bottom um mm-hmm. and he pulled his airbag but he still got buried four meters oh Oh wow! Just because of I think I did read I think I did read about that one. Yeah, which is and when you think about it, an airbag isn't always going to save you. So you're right. Did they end up? They ended up passing away, didn't they? Say again. Or did they get it? Did they end up passing away? Or no. Was that a different? Yeah, story? the the yeah the son did pass away. Yeah, he didn't. No, yeah, yeah, I, I did. I did hear about that one. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. It's not a good story, and avalanches are never really fun to talk about. But I think they're important to talk about to learn. Hundred percent, and, and what you can and learn that's, from them. Totally, and that's the other thing too. Um, like, like uh, now I'm getting more into like the guiding mindset too. It's like um, we also talk about if you feel safe skiing the slope without a transceiver, kind of thing. Like, if you're on this right now, and if you didn't have a transceiver, would you ski it? And then that that question's been coming up to me too sometimes. Like when I'm on something, and so it's just getting yourself like not so like reliant on the gear in a way right. but more just on your own judgment of reading the slope and the train and where you are at the moment and just being like am i 100 percent?" like if i didn't have the safety stuff would i still do it right so and speaking so about safety been... stuff to to kind of to veer off a little bit so we're talking about your pack and what's in your pack yeah do you carry a, like a, a, a communication device, like a Spot or a Garmin InReach? Yeah, when you're on your yeah, team? I have a Delorme InReach with me. Okay. Well, um, well. I actually had to do two uh, heli rescues back in like twenty. When was it? Twenty fifteen, I think it was. Like when you say you so, had to do them, you had to call them in. Yeah, like I was the full-on first aid. So you had person, to hit so that my button. first one. Um, actually I didn't have the, the unit, so that's what got me the, oh, okay. the unit. So I actually had two first aid scenarios in five days. What? And, or sorry, within, within five days. So, um, the first one was on top of old glory and my, I'll just, I'll just leave names out, but my good buddy just, he wanted to get on top of old glory, like so badly. And then, so me and my other friend took him up there and, uh, Old Glory is like the biggest peak in the Rosin range. And he was super stoked. And um, when you're on top of there, there's a weather station. And they used to use that for the Castigar Airport. And um, just to check in the weather from like the 40s to 60s. And so it's a really cool station. And um, on the north side, there's these really cool like uh, shoots. And so I was like scoping them out. And then while my other friends were like transitioning their gear, and then um, my other buddy comes around the corner. He's like, you got to come over here. I'm like, oh, he must have, like, scoped out, like, a sick line. And I come around, and there's, like, blood everywhere. Oh. I'm just like, holy smokes, like, what just happened? And my buddy was uh, fixing his bindings with, like, a, a zap strap. And then he was cutting the zap strap and slipped and ended up cutting open an artery. Holy. And, on, on the zap and, strap. Uh, 
uh, off the knife. knife. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. When he was cutting the zap shot, just you know, just being rushed, like, oh, I gotta switch over so we can go shredding, kind of thing. Shit. And which he didn't need to rush at all. Right. And uh, luckily, we could get cell reception, and my one friend was able to call in and get a heli on the way, and then I could just um, do first aid on my friend and um and luckily the hell you could come in like pretty quick i think it was like under an hour so i didn't need to like tourniquet his arm or anything like that it was going through my head but what i just did was just like bandages his hand and um wrapped it with all of our insulated layers and stuff just to keep it warm and then i just held it above his head for it felt like ages. <laughs> so not to <laughs> not to get like... too graphic, and if you're a squeamish person, maybe plug your ears right now. But, <laughs> but uh, so he cut an artery on his hand, so you could tell it was arterial mm-hmm. because it was bleeding a lot, and it was bleeding with the pulse type of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and like, and as well, just in our scenario, we had to go down one mountain, then up another, and then down again. So that was just. Ooh. Yeah. If yeah, we had yeah. to go like right to the road, maybe we could have. I could have like maybe just tourniquet and just bandage it and just like get but, him down. But the scenario is like it's a clear day. We get a heli. Let's just get a heli and get him get him down. Good call. And good like call, he was. Yeah. yeah, he was down to the hospital in like ten minutes. Perfect. Kind of thing. Like, so what, super quick. What was the second time you had to call in a heli? So the second time. So five days after that. Um, we decided to go to Kootenai Pass and do um, do a little hut trip, and then so there's there's these two little huts that are that are up there, and we went up and we left like lots of our gear, and just went to do like this short little lap and then come back around, and this was also a good learner of like always carry everything with you, like have extra water, have extra food, have extra layers, like even if you're going for a quick rip, like. It doesn't uh, mean you can just leave everything at the lo- at the hut. And so there was like six of us in this group, and um, three were already like so. We're riding this line. It's called the banana shoot. It's a really really cool line, and um, it's kind of like a tree shoot in a way, but it has a mandatory exit in the end. Like it's about a 10, 15 foot drop. And then so three of my friends already like rode through it. And normally like I've been kind of getting like in like I kind of drop last a lot unless I'm kind of opening up the line just because normally I have like the most experience within my group. So I always like to just in case something happens, kind of like take take the back end in a way. And um, so my buddy Logan that I mentioned before, my good buddy, um, he rode fourth and he was coming down the slope. And then under the snow, there was, like, an old piece of, like, avi debris that you couldn't see. And it ended up bumping him just a bit up, just in his turn. And it kind of projected him a little bit. And there's this, like, pretty tiny tree, not really that big, but it was enough to snap his tib fib right above his, oh, his high back. Dang. And, and it penetrated through the skin. So it's compound. So it was an open, yeah, open compound fracture, tib fib. And we're above the cliff. And uh, my other buddy, um, Chris, he rides down towards him. And he's also on search and rescue. So it's like, really good to have him there. Then I rode down. And uh, this, I, I probably didn't get the best reaction when I first rolled up to him. Because I was just like, oh, shit. Like, oh, snap. Like, this isn't good. 
And then Logan was just like, of all people to like say things, I was really hoping it wasn't going to be you though. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to like step back for like a minute and just be like, okay, what do we got to do here? And, um, I know I had resources. So I sent two to the highway, go flag down whoever. And then, uh, there's one person down below. I'm like, you figure out a trail to get to us so we can at least know there's a in and out way kind of thing. And then, so the other two, this is like 4 PM to this happened in March. And wow. so two rode down to the highway and they ended up, uh, flagging down someone and they're like an off duty paramedic. So it was like, perfect. Uh, they knew all the, the right uni- people to call the universe providing, got, like, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so they got search and rescue on the way. And then my other buddy, Jordo, he was able to figure out a way and make a track to us. Mm. And then once he got to us, I was able to start moving Logan around. So I had to build like a full platform. We're on like a 40 degree slope. So I had to make like a full platform, dug like a snow cave, um, uh, got, I think, I forget whose board it was, but we stripped everything off the board and then we put all of our packs onto the board so Logan can lay, lay on that. All of our layers got put on Logan, which isn't the best thing because now you're, you know, getting um, put into the elements. It was, it was snowing very slightly too. Right. So, um, and then after we did everything we could, I then told Jordan to then ski down to the road. So when search and rescue gets there, you know the way to come back up to us. And then Chris and I just stayed with Logan and we got a fire going, luckily on the slope and then um, um, try to keep him as warm as possible and just kept checking on. I didn't take his boot or anything off of that because I didn't want his foot to get like affected with like hypothermic or, or right. frostbite or anything like that. It felt like maybe his boot would give him a little bit more insulation, even though it's starting to get covered in blood. Um, and then, yeah, I, was, I, was, I had pretty bare minimum. So then like, I wrapped whatever I could with his leg and then I, I took my ski poles. We took all of our shoelaces, all of our boots and then like, you know, like try to make like a, like a, a splint, like for my, like my wilderness first aid training. So like made like a full like splint with the, with the stuff that we had to, and then just waited. It took 16 hours until a helicopter could come in. And How long again? Um, 16. 16. That's excruciating yeah. for Logan. Eh? Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. He almost lost his leg. And, and then, uh, he's, he's back in action. Like he's like, uh, it could still affect him at times, but <laughs> did he, uh, did he, him. did he yeah. almost lose his leg? Cause a, like a result of low, low circulation below the wound. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. And just like the amount of time that's that crazy had, had gone so, through and that man, yeah, you've been through. And then a few also, things, also sure. another crazy thing at <laughs> right? 2 AM or 3 AM, it started sloughing on us because it was snowing very slightly. And then by like, it was that one, that was a little nerve wracking when like slough was coming down, like over right. like the snow cave that Logan was in. I was just like, we are not in a good place. Like we need to get him out. And it, I even tried to make like a four degree, like walking track, like just shaping it with a shovel, but just like any little movement in the snow was just like excruciating pain for him. So, Oh yeah. Crazy. So how did, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like, it, how did how did the helicopter how did that happen? Was it did he did, did they have to pick him off the the side of the hill or did yeah they able to yeah land? so like search and rescue got to us in the middle of the night, 
and in the um, of the night. brought up some like oh yeah on they brought, foot yeah yeah no yeah the search and rescue there's yeah. just like the, the yeah on foot yeah sorry just to see if they could maybe like toboggan them out kind of thing so that's why the and 16 so, hours so you guys had to wait out the night because hell he couldn't come in at night eh? exactly yeah. yeah and then so um uh yeah they came up and they brought up some like supplies with them and we were able to keep Logan warmer and I was becoming actually quite hypothermic like uh, I was just down to my my base layers pretty much, and uh, I still have my snow pants on. But yeah, just base layer was like minus like three or five kind of thing, and snowing slightly. So right. it was it wasn't ideal, and um, so the the plan was then to um, long line them out, and then so uh, they did did it that way, and then we yeah. rode out probably like. Yeah. Poor Logan. Hey, what an ideal or not an ideal, sorry. What an ordeal to go through. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, so now going crazy, like, uh, so now going back around, now I'll list what I have like in my pack because of yeah, what I've would you mind? Yeah. Thank you. Experiences. Yeah. Thanks for bringing yeah. it so back. So what man. I, yeah. So what I carry now, like I have like that DeLorme in reach. Like my pack is a little bit bigger than most people, but just because this is what I do now. Um, I carry one of those, uh, what they call like three quarter thermores, you know, those like, oh, those yeah. like half yep. size ones. Um, so one of the Neo airs, I have that. Wow. And then I have, uh, that wrapped around, a, a two person sill tarp. And yep. I also carry an emergency blanket. I always have two down jackets with me. Um, always carry, uh, like extra food. Um, I'm always turning with like, well, I, I care about like one half liters of water, but like if we're doing like a little bit bigger day, I sometimes bring my jet boil with me. Um, do you do you carry your water in a bladder or a bottle? I do uh, the the big size Nalgene's. Those are my okay. favorite, the one half liter ones. Yeah, yeah. I don't do bladder. I do bladders more like spring or summer, but. Uh, um, like just the problem of freezing can be annoying. Yeah, yeah. The so right now you're carrying stuff. a bladder, I guess, on your bike trip, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And uh, what else? Uh, I carry lots of, uh, and then I have like my uh, like personal first aid kit. Um, I have stuff for major bleeding. Um, Do you have a SAM splint in your first aid kit? Yeah, carry a SAM splint, a uh, bunch of like fillet straps because those are like, um, those are worth like a dime a dozen. Like it was a gold pretty much in the back country. Yeah. Um, not a dime a dozen, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. They're gold. They're gold. They're gold. Yeah. 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 A, lot so, uses, like, they have a lot of uses. So many uses, like yeah. so many things to do. And then, um, what else do I have in the pack? Do you, like, do you have anything? So w- what I'm getting from this and, and you, you preface this by saying your pack's a little bit bigger than everybody else's. What, what I'm getting is that, because of the experiences that you've had that you've been through you know what it would have been nice to ha- what what would have been nice to have in those oh, yeah. instances right totally. so so because i'm that three sorry yeah. I, i'm that kind of guy i'd like to to have it so <laughs> i have this saying i'd rather have it not need it than need it not have it Exactly. Now, I don't want to pack yeah, a kitchen they... sink or anything like that, but I want to be prepared if I've got to spend the night. So, like, I carry a flint as well as I carry a lighter, yeah. you know? I yeah, carry... and, and um, uh fire starter, I carry yep. that as well. It's with me. Um, like, yeah, repair kit, 
kind of thing. But yeah, the big thing though, it's it's actually quite small. But yeah, those sill tarps and then just wrapping one of those like uh, Neo Air like three quarter thermarest, yep. like, and it can come in for so many different things. Not even just like an injury, but if you accidentally get stuck longer out in the backcountry, you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it out tonight, kind of thing. Like, we went down the wrong creek or you know like something happened and so if you can just pull out like a quick little sleeping setup and then so like have um so this is what i would do is just like dig like a hole and then um perch up my tarp you know you could use like a ski pole or whatever and then so it's got a little bit of a um, like a like a like a uh, what's that style but you know it's got a point in the center and then it kind of yeah then it branches out and then um, set up my thermarest and then just have like emergency blanket and my extra down jackets. Then you can spend easily a night out and not be like freezing to death. And you, you can at least I, get rested and get a good sleep in. and Exactly. And then, and then be ready to charge and, and get yourself And it's out. so small too. Like, yeah. like, the, like it's, it's only the size of like a liter. Right. And, and like um, I'm good to go. Like even though I'm saying like it's more weight, but it's still like I've gone things like compact like find the the lighter things it's it's more expensive to carry all this stuff but as you say you know like it can so easily happen and and like and nowadays too it's like i'm not going for stuff that's right off the highway like now like we're going deep into the back country <laughs> yeah. and when you're going deep there you can't screw up like there's no you can't so you're delorean not much room for that your De- your Delorme device is it? You said it's a Delorme Inreach. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So yeah. So you have the connection to to emergency services as well as you can communicate, correct? Exactly. Because yeah. you it's so awesome. Like yeah. for like the traverse that we just did in April, like just getting weather updates. Like it's so cool right. just to see like oh it's going to get cold in a couple of days. Like just that little bit of info is. It's Absolutely. Like, so, so that's your pack. That's your, your backcountry experiences to date. Now you're doing some guiding for bald face. Is that correct? You're doing some tail. Yeah. Bald face and keeper Lake. Like keeper, keeper Lake is yeah. definitely my, my more, uh, main, they're a new, um, operation. Like they've been going for four years, I think. And where, and where's that base and, out of? Kiefer Lake? They're, um, right between Vernon and the cusp on Ooh. highway six. All right. So outside like Cherryville. That's where I want to go like, live um, in the Vernon area. So. Oh, it's beautiful. Right it's now. such an awesome stuff. And like, um, and, and what Jeff is doing up at Keeper is just like incredible. Like it, it's such a family there. And, um, and so it's like really great Monashi tree riding. It's really great for snowboarding. Like Jeremy Jensen, he comes, goes up there. So when you guys chat with him. That's coming um, up. Just mention mention Kiefer because he's he's super stoked on it too. Sweet. So, and, so you mentioned uh, you said Jeff is Jeff is Jeff the founder of Kiefer Lake and yeah Jeff Gosselin. Okay, it's the not owner. the same Jeff from Baldface. I just want to make sure. Yeah, and then it's just funny. Yeah, it's like both my bosses are Jeff, and then Jeff Pantero. I was just thinking the same he's, thing. Uh, <laughs> he's amazing too. He is just like yeah, an incredible boss, and he's a pretty rad dude. I've seen some of his videos on, online, and 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 I've listened to some other podcast interviews with him. Yes. And he's got so much heart and love oh, yeah. For, right. yeah. for snowboarding. And I watched and a video. Like, I watched um, a video sorry, I meant to cut you off. I watched a video where he, um, what the hell's his name now? Uh, 
Jeez, did the owner of DC sold it. Oh, uh, Ken Block. Ken Block went there with a side by side. Yeah, with his crazy razor. Dude, thing. that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> I watched, uh, I watched that video like at least seven to didn't, eight times. Didn't he do one a few years ago where he took a Toyota pickup and he put those tracks on it and had took, it up there? He took a Ford. Oh, no, I'm telling you, he, he was sponsored by Ford. Don't oh, be going sorry. Down whoa, 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 whoa. Just My because bad. he, I, ride a, I drive a Ford. <laughs> ro- well, I think he was on Subaru and then he went to Ford. Yes, he went, he, he, he brought their, um, their, their, uh, what, the Raptor. WRX? The ra- no, they brought a Raptor. Oh, in the, oh, back the Raptor. Country. Oh, yeah. And they actually put a seat in the back and the guys were towing, getting towed. Off, off the uh, ridge, top one of the, cliff, of the mountains, and then dropping in. And he was like, you, the video is fantastic. He dives in, and the freaking front of the truck just buried in snow. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do fucking remember that. deep, man. So good. But the Ranger, the Razor he got, and he souped it up. I think he left it there for Jeff, and it was like, man, they just ripping with it. So good. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, he did leave it up there. Like, I flew out, uh, well, I left my shift just when they were coming up. And then when I was supposed to come back, it was like, covid times so i didn't get to see it but actually my first shift this this year up at bald face i guided ken block and that was kind of, it's you never know who you're going to guide up at no bald kidding. face like like my first shift i was like shredding with like travis rights and like jamie lynn and it's just like is this really happening right <laughs> what uh, that's <laughs> that who's is... coming I, I i'm gonna put this out there in the universe we want to get those two guys on the show at some point. <laughs> yeah no, oh that's, yeah that's definitely jamie happen. you could get jamie lynn he'd be uh, that'd be well, sick Jay- to get him on there jamie lynn's really connected with eric trollson of the fnr snowboard podcast <clears throat> we've been we've been yeah they not- just did they did one not too long ago yeah and we did yeah. we did one with eric and eric's hooked up so we're gonna try and see if we can make something happen organically here but that's cool man so that's awesome for you so, so awesome. well they called jamie lynn the uh the health cat up at bald face oh yeah <laughs> he has like a he's got like a lifetime i know membership up there pretty much like he always hangs out with jeff like i was just chatting with jeff uh the other day and he was just like oh yeah just been fishing with jamie and just yeah he me, got like, stuck up there fish that he caught and... he stayed up there throughout the whole covid he's like i'm just gonna stay right here. yeah well <laughs> um his lady also like she works up at bald face and so it makes sense for oh yeah for them to just dude he's in that stay in nelson area and he's in uh you gotta you gotta now that now that you know Jamie Lynn, obviously you know before, but you've met him. You need to watch Project Six because that's where he's in there riding for. Yeah, as soon as he mentioned that, Intact, I was like, "Oh, I dude, gotta totally you check gotta watch that. that, man." That's like that movie was Offspring, Face to Face, all these different punk bands back in the day that got me stuck. That's where I learned about Tool because uh, they had the music that nobody had yet. Right, we were dropping that. So good. I, I think I wore the tape out, man. Like it's ridiculous. Watch that thing. Day <laughs> I day. got. I gotta check it out. It's on YouTube. It's definitely that's better. awesome dude that's sick so Perfect. man you've had some pretty wicked experiences yeah. and you're having tons of just exploration type fun right now how how now you're you actually have a board sponsor is that correct mm-hmm. yeah i've been with venture for since like 2016 i think okay how did that come about mm-hmm. um so that was like uh i think it was after yeah. like I had a good winter down in New Zealand 2015 and I've always had a good like relationship with, with the people at Venture, like with Clem and Lisa, the owners. Jeez. And um, they're out of Silverton, Colorado. So just like, oh, you know, pretty much I find, I find any boards that are made from or out of Colorado are like bomb proof. Like, and um, so before I got into onto venture, pretty much every split I rode, I I broke. Like I I couldn't have 
Like, <clears throat> do you think that's because you're six it's, seven? Or I think what? It's you're six <laughs> seven, dude. It could be. I think so. Like, uh, that's one of the like, things I we need. Have, we, what's the last? We need to go sorry, through. What you, sorry, man. I just it just made me think when we were talking about you breaking boards and how tall you are. We we need to go through your stance. We'll, we'll get to that later. So <laughs> totally, yeah. Like, um, but I've never like broken a venture, and wow. um, and uh, I've I put them through the limit. Like my my most days on one of the boards is over like three four hundred days oh. on one. And I really? went to just see, it was my first board that Ventures sent me. Right. And they even sent me other boards. I just kept riding the one because I was like, I want to see how much I could do on it. And I never, I just ended up retiring it because it's still, it's still in good use. But now I just want to just like. Lighter, uh, better. Just kind of hang it up. Yeah. Well, no, it's just like, uh, just oh. more like it's just like my, you know, my first one with Venture. So it's just oh, like. okay. Just want to like. Yeah. Hang it up, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the only, actually, the only venture I've ever snapped was when I rolled my Jeep. Um, I seen that in November. Picture. Yeah. And uh, I had three ventures in there, and only one snapped, and the Jeep rolled over top of it. You had the and overhead coffin. That, Is that where they were sitting in? Yeah, yeah. And so that just showed me I was just like, okay. It's it takes a tough fucking if, uh, accident to break them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 3,000 It was only the truck. top one that broke. The rest were all just like Wild. not even like scratched up or anything. Well, that's a good uh, That's good, wicked. Good plug for them. Mike, what size board do you ride? Um, so uh, I ride between like 166 is like my favorite size. Uh, for like like a fish powder kind of style, I ride the 160 you from them. And in the wintertime, it is absolutely my favorite board ever. Like, especially for in the trees, you're just like a little fish going down the river. Which board is and, that? And, um, adventure euphoria. Okay. It's quite euphoric. <laughs> it's like, it's got like a really fat nose, like 27 centimeter width. And then like almost no tail. And it's like kind of like a, a V, V like style a swallow, tail, like swallowtail type of. Yeah. yeah. So what? It's uh, so beautiful. So that sounds awesome. What? Uh, what is your stance? Can we talk about that? Like, what's your back foot? Totally. What's your front foot? And what's your your length in between? And so uh, that's like that's perfect. So okay, um, my one sixty, I ride like zero in the back foot and probably like plus fifteen or eighteen in the front. Um, my venture. Paragon, I ride. So that's a 166, and that's like they're all around mountain style kind of board. So when I want to do more like tricks and like ride switch, so I ride more of a duck stance on that. That's a probably plus 18 and like minus nine in the back. And then my bigger boards, I, I jump between like a 166 Storm Carbon or a 171 Storm. And I ride, I ride posi posi on those ones. So I go plus wow. eighteen or plus fifteen, and then plus three. And so I just started doing that this year. I've been doing that for a long I was like, time. It's sick. Like I was I just on like the Jones's website, and I just saw like how many of the riders are riding posi posi. And I was just do, like, Do you know where I learned to hmm. ride that? Mr. Who, who's that? Ter- you know, so do you know where I learned or picked that up from back in the '90s? Was Terry Hawkinson? That's how you rode. His, ah. That's how you rode pipe because your feet are po- pointing the same direction. So switching, whether you're riding switch or regular, it's you just feel the same. Yeah. And I find, and I, then like, 
the heel side turns is uh, so much better on it. Yeah, Euro. Being it's a, called a Euro stance. Darren was just asking me through a picture, <laughs> yeah. writing it down on a piece of paper. Uh, Euro <laughs> stance. Uh, I'm dropping the secret. I should have just said it then. Well, yeah, just fucking <laughs> but say for, it. But for width, though, I, I'm not like a crazy width. Like, I have known some people that are way shorter than me and have a lot wider width. I just go like shoulder-ish yeah, width. So yeah. it's like... I'm yeah, not but for like a guy I'm who's not six too seven, wide. That's got to be over twenty two inches. I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe I'm not like uh, I'm, I don't go fully wide out like on the stance of right. my boards. And okay. I'm usually like, kind sure. of like in the center ish. And like um, and like one big thing like since like 2010, I've been really big into yoga, so I I stay pretty flexible and limber. So I like to so I like to have my stance kind of like. Mm, wherever it kind of like uh, is, this feels like a good squatted position kind so of thing. did i notice you have a brother named dave is that right yeah and he's, so and he's a yoga instructor did i see that on your socials yeah yeah okay yeah right. and and he's also like like incredible artist like incredible wicked and um um yeah it, pretty much any like medium he's he's like insanely good at he stalled like the the art artist talent in the family. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Your art's oh, but different. I got your the eye though. I got the visual eye though. Your art's I got different. The, there yeah, you go. The photo. I can shoot photos oh, really well. Okay. Sweet. Hey, so yeah. now we talked about your boards and your stance. What are what do you use for bindings and boots? Are you soft booting? Are you hard booting? Like what's So what's I actually just picked up a hard boot setup. I haven't got it officially yet, but um it's just at my buddies and in Washington because I didn't want to pay like the duties and right. the fees coming across. So whenever I can get to Washington, yeah, um, I'll pick it up, which could, could be for longer now. So maybe I might just get sent over. But um, yeah, when Phantom had their whole deal, I just jumped on it. So I bought a pair of their boots that they had for their, their demo fleet and then a pair of their bindings to give it a go for as they go um, – into guiding, but I'll jump into that in a second. And then, but I've been rocking Spark for ages, and I had to give a, a huge shout out to Spark because, like, um, they've hooked me up with bindings over the last couple of years. And um, I'm not like a like a rider for them, but they've just been really like helpful for they've me. They've always looked after you and taken care of you. Yeah, yeah. like so a brand ambassador. Yeah, exactly. Just like keeping the stoke alive. So I've been rocking the search pros from them and i really love them like like i love spark like uh i've never had like i've broken parts and stuff with them but it's always been easily fixable or attainable and they're so good at like replacing things but these new sets i have the search pros like i used them all year and nothing and do no no i usually uh, crack a heel cup or or something but this year Totally in great shape, and I probably put you know hundred and something days on them, and that's why you cracked a heel cap. <laughs> no, no, I mean I haven't cracked anything. Oh, yet. sorry, I thought you said you no, did. No, these are <laughs> these are like these are still like other than all scratched up. There, no parts have gone cool. worn down. So, so it's funny as we go through them. this, we're talking more. We we we're hearing more and more about hard booting and, mm-hmm. and that setup, and I'm getting more and more interested in it, and I wish. Uh, I wish I was that guy who's doing enough touring right now to really justify the the need for it. And um, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to say it out loud to the universe that I'm going to need that setup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. 
But when you talk to Joey, yeah, Joey yeah. will Joey will be your your answer sheet because I've probably bugged him uh, or not even myself, but like the amount of people that have bugged him about hard boots for the last <laughs> probably ten years. He's probably like you can probably write a book on it because he's been he's been on on hard boots for at least since two thousand nine. Cool. Maybe yeah, I've already I've already been alerted that Joey <coughs> Joey's the guy to talk to about a hard boot setup. Yeah. and uh, and I just saw, I think it was on his uh, Instagram just this morning. I saw a video on there where he was uh, just he did a little video on on uh, what did he call it skate splitting. So he's you know he's got his boards oh, yeah. into skis and he's actually skating skinless in his setup. You know, and just saying how that's a good practice, and if you're brave enough to take your skins off and do it, it's a lot of fun too. Totally, um, totally, yeah. If you're if you can dial in with uh, no skins on, you're you're laughing. Like yeah, especially no like in Revelstoke, Revelstoke, you need to kind of know how to ski your split. Or sure, just, yeah. you don't need to. It's just like we have a lot of flat exits, like that could be like two kilometers long, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. And so sometimes it's nice to just, yeah, no, but like, you don't always need it. Like if you have like the new, like super thin glide, uh, skins, those are still great as well. Just to exit on that way. Right. And you know, that's one of the things I know when I first got into splitboarding and started geeking out on everything and what I need to know, that was one of the lessons that I was taught right away was like, learn how to ski your split. So even take it to your local resort and just learn how to ski it. And I had this totally. discussion with, um, with a fella out of Fernie the other day, we were talking about boards and we were talking about splitting and, um, and I was telling him how I was, a, I was an Alpine skier when I was a kid, you know, like that's what I grew up doing from the age of three till I was 20. That's all I did was Alpine ski. And then, uh, I went to work in a shop, kind of like an MEC type shop down in the States when I lived down there. And, uh, I, the shop manager was really big into tele skiing. And he used to do a trip out west every year, and he would come back and he would just play all these videos of, t- of face shots and just going through the powder and tele skiing. So I took my old alpine boards and I put tele bindings on them. And my, my goal was to learn how to tele ski, and then I just stopped skiing. So I never really got mm-hmm. that deep into it. And then I got a split, and now when I ski on my split, that's what I like to do is a tele turn. So that's I don't think nice. I, I don't think I'd ever be interested Drop. in locking my heel down. Yeah, drop the knee. That's right. Yeah, trust yeah, me. I'm the same. Like I, I've <laughs> never done the, done the lock on my bindings at all, and I, I like actually kind of the looseness of it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. just lean back. You can kind of love, yeah. love the telly turn. Love the telly. Turn. But it's so funny. Like I learned how to ski on a splitboard. Like I said to you before, like I've never been on ski boots. That's I've never right. Skied, right, but right. like I learned how to ski on a splitboard. So I'm thinking this winter I might just give it a little go. Just um, so now we like branch into it. So, um, so now like, um, just a little bit of like background on me, um, before I dive into like my guiding mindset. But, um, in 2018, like, or sorry, 2017 was like the best winter I could ever say, um, in my life. Like, uh, I think I only worked like maybe, I don't know, eight weeks of the whole entire year, but like, just had like enough smartness with my money and just like played it really well that like did like a full season of touring in BC. Then I went to the Yukon, toured out there. Then I went to Alaska, went to Norway after that for three weeks. And like, 
worked for a little bit and then I went to New Zealand for like another like six six weeks and then went to the Rockies and then back to BC and just had like this phenomenal year of just like <laughs> crush mode. But you know what happened is like my ego went right through the oh, roof. Yeah. Like I was like I was starting to get really big headed and like I was starting to get like some offers towards me too for ski turn or for splitboarding and um and so i felt like i was finally like cracking open i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna become like this professional splitboarder and just like have all this help and endorsements and yada yada mm-hmm. and then 2018 i aired this like pedal set right into uh a down tree like a full-on big broken down tree with this like jagged point I couldn't see it because I just saw this like kind of like little pedal drop and I was like, oh, this is sweet and like aired it and then I had snow on my face too. And I just felt like this like heavy hit, like right to my leg, I hit the ground. I look up and I just see this like gnarly broken tree stump or it wasn't like, it's was probably like, like full on grown tree, like just, just there. And I'm so lucky that I didn't hit my head or I didn't hit my chest because, like, it was, like, such a spear point that if I hit my chest, I don't think uh, I would be here anymore. But I hit right at my knee. And since I was in the air, it actually, like, cracked from a tibial plateau down. Hmm. And um, and then when I hit the ground, um, I was in Whitewater. I was at Whitewater, actually, when I did it on the backside. And... Um, Logan was with me, so like we kind of like uh, did the switch over with leg with the leg break <laughs> yeah, here. No Reciprocity, get it back, yeah. And then uh, so Logan, Logan had a little bit easier job. He just had to go get ski patrol, and <laughs> he went down to the the cat road, and sure enough, like a ski patrol was coming right there. So he's able like, hey, 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 like my buddy broke his leg up there, and then so they came up and uh, they were able to get a toboggan down to me. And then get me to the ambulance, and then then I was uh, then I was in the hospital. And actually, that day, I was supposed we we're only supposed to go for like a half lap, and then we're gonna, or just like a, a half day, sorry, and then um, drive up to Revelstoke for the Canuck Split Fest, which I was going to present um, about that one year of 2017, about like all the stuff that I did and yada yada, and I made this whole like slideshow thing. And, um, and then, uh, instead of presenting it, I was getting surgery mm-hmm. on my leg. And when I first did, I was like, oh, you know, I'll be out for like a couple of weeks. Like I've done knee injuries before leg injuries. And then when they came in to me and they're like, you're going to be off your leg for at least three months. And I was just like, wait, like I haven't taken a month off splitboarding. Like, 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 so at that time I'd rode, rid Roden, what's the word? Rotor, right? Ridden. Ridden, whatever. Ridden. Ridden. There we go. Ridden 54 months in, like straight what? until like I, I broke my leg. Like turning every so month just, like, for 54 months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so like the thought in my head being like, wait a minute, you're telling me like I'm doing nothing for three months? Like no leg movements at all? Like, all right. And then when I saw like, the x-ray like um so I, I now have a plate on the side of my leg with like 10 screws that pretty much go from one side to the other wow so uh, like clamp my leg back together and um 
And like the surgeon told me that like, yeah, you might not uh, be able to walk the same. Um, you, you know, you're going to get arthritis in, in, in the joint there and like all this stuff. And pretty much like in my head, I was just like, this is sounding like, you know, splitboarding might be all, you know, it might be hard to get back into where I was kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, no doubt because that so, was three months off of it. And then did you have rehab after that as well? Yeah. So I did that in, in, in January, January 12th is when I did it, 2018. And, um, and then when I could got the okay to like, not like put weight, but I could go on a stationary bike. I slowly did like, I couldn't do like full rotations. I could just do like little like quarter half rotations and just kind of like, uh, 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 just kind of work it. And then I slowly could like, I think after like, maybe it was like three months after the injury or like three and a half, I could finally do like a rotation on the stationary bike. And then it just like grew from there. And I went back to Ontario as well to rehab and I just went into full, like, uh, I always picture like South Park and just went into full, um, <laughs> montage mode. Right. And just like, all I did was just like train and, um, took me eight months and I got myself back on my board. Wow. And which... so, so now today you're at, I was just reading on your Facebook. Sorry. <laughs> I was creeping out there. I see. No, you're it's at, all good. Uh, I was just looking at the, that trip you did with, um, Sorry, I'm just looking at the post right now. You and Peter Benton mm. in Kokanee Glacier. Yeah. Kokanee Glacier, yeah. yeah. So it says month 22 of consecutive turns all year. Yeah, so like since like, so I came back October, and then, yeah, I've been riding every month, like, since then. And, you know, like, it wasn't easy. And, uh, you know, it's actually um, kind of funny. So, yeah, so I had this whole, like, ego thing, like, you know, being a badass flipboarder and all this stuff, and then, break my leg just brought me right down to like ground zero. It's just like, okay, what are you now? Like, you don't have splitboarding. You don't have right. the mountains. Like, like who are you kind of thing? And then, so I had to like, um, figure so, out who I was and so what little, I want to be. And a little bowl full little, of humility. Just, and, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just take yourself down to like, you know, right down, right down low and have everything that you love taken away. It really makes you respect a whole lot more and then so when i got back was when i was like i'm gonna become a guide like that's like my mindset now cool let's talk about that um, let's talk about your guiding experience and being you mentioned mentioned that you just got accepted into the acmg Mm -hmm. sweet so i'm super super hyped on like i just i found that out actually when i was up at kokanee i got like cell reception up there and i saw the email like oh i'm a little nervous about reading this (laughs) open up (laughs) and like congratulations i was like yes so stoked nice um but yeah so kind of like going back in 2018 um so my girlfriend at the time she was like really into bike packing so she's the one that got me to get that salsa fargo right and then that's what helped me so much at like rehabbing my leg and um i just biked and biked and biked and then um so i was trying to get a job too of guiding like i had my my CSGA level one, which is the Canadian ski guide association. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed me to tail guide for a mechanized ski area. And, um, but the, the, the trouble is, is like, there's not a lot of jobs out there for guiding. And then, so, um, Keith Lake decided to give me a shot and then I come up for an interview 
And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just bike up to this interview to show. Because I told him, like, <laughs> I broke my leg. And, like, I was, like, rehabbing. So I biked from the cusp up to um, up to Kiefer. And then pretty much when, like, Jeff saw me, saw me like, show up on my bike, he's like, yeah, like, you show me how much, like, determination you have. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. So he gave me, like, a gig. And then... Um, and then I've been growing with them, and then, uh, then yeah, I got on with Ballface this winter, and so yeah, the last like, you know, six years I've been working on my resume for the ACNG. It's not like an easy process. Like, no, they want to see it's, it's pretty tough. Yeah, what yeah. you what you want what you've done like in the mountains, and so, um, so COVID actually gave me like the time to just just sit down and really write out my what I've done and uh so yeah I submitted that and um, Joey has been a great help too of helping me um get my ACMG in order and uh so put it together and and I got accepted so I was like so stoked and then I also put my application in for the uh, Canadian Avalanche Association level two operations. And, um, so that's like another course I've been really wanting to do as well. And so that one like puts you more into like the industrial side, or if you want to work for like transportation or mining, or just like teach ASD twos, or just be more ahead in the, uh, the guiding snow science world. On the forecasting um, so, side. Yeah. Have you, exactly. have you seen that, uh, have you seen that movie snowman? Snowman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's on no, Net- I haven't. It's on um, iTunes. iTunes. Oh, man, I don't Snowman. have the details in my head right now. We'll have to send it to you. <laughs> it's we'll have a- to send it to you. He's, uh, he, he does a lot like uh, John Buffery does. Um, oh, sick. Yeah. But he talks about his adventures and what's going on and what happened and then some accidents and his accident as well. His, you should get Buffy on there too. We're going. We're working on that. We're working on that. That's what, <laughs> We'd love to. We're going to put that out there. Eric... Uh, Eric Trollson talked about him and then Cowboy out of the Utah. They do the same job. Uh, yeah. He's an old school guy. Back, splitboarding back when nobody even knew what the hell that was. And Oh, yeah. Cowboy is the legend. He's yeah. the star of the whole yeah. splitboarding with so Bollet. We're hoping to get those two guys on. It's just a matter That'd of... That'd be sick. Well, gonna, I can line you up with Buck. Okay, yeah, I that's can, great. Yeah. I'll shoot him a message. Yeah, well, we gotta, we gotta, we'll talk about that after. But yeah, we, we can, we'll definitely I'll bug him. Sweet. So, <laughs> so, what's, uh, so what's the future hold for Mike Wigley then? So you're, you're doing your ACMG so, uh, and you're, you're doing... Yeah, a... so this year, I'm taking on a lot, actually. Like most people <laughs> like do like CA Level 2 one year, maybe the ACMG another year. But I'm deciding to take on both this year, which is going to financially hit me a little bit. But, uh, but the one thing is I'm so stoked on this year is I'm getting great financial support from there's a different grants that help you out so there's the craig kelly grant which they choose one snowboarder um oh the year to um go through like not go through but have funding for the ca level two and then i just found out the other day that i was the one i got granted it so i'm like super hyped dude dude congratulations man that's wicked that's wicked and like Exactly. Craig Kelly's always been like my inspiration mm-hmm. yep. of it all. And to fly sure. the flag for him this year, I'm like, nice. Wow. So hyped. That so is hyped. cool. That is so cool. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to like just put my head fully focused and just try to get through. So, you get to go through three training 
courses with the ACMG. You have to go through alpine skills, mechanized skills, and ski touring skills. And if they see you're fit enough, then they'll give you the um, the okay to take on the apprentice ski exam. So then that's in April. So then if I can like, you know, really crush it and then go through that and then go through the um, apprentice exam, then then next year I can start actually like ski tour guiding, start lead guiding more and um, and take on that next that next role that I'm looking to. Nice. to go into and um so like my big thing is this like uh you know before like all my splitboarding was about myself like just the objectives i wanted to get done and just the stuff that i want to do and now like it's changing and now like it, of course you're always going to think about yourself you always have lines and stuff you want to do but now i'm like i feel the switch and i want to take all my experience that i've gained over the years and now like push people to that next level, that next um, mindset or taking on those challenges that they couldn't think they could do because they didn't have the resources to, you know, push them to that next side. And I know like for myself, like I've taken on a lot of things that most people won't like, whether it be like, um, like I've done traverses totally by myself in the mountains and just, you know, done that way or flown across the world, not speak any languages. Like, like I've ski toured in like Kyrgyzstan to Chile to, you know, Argentina, Norway, like New Zealand, Australia. Like, like I'm just so in love with splitboarding, and, and all I want to do is just like um, make my passion to like my career. And I know guiding is like the the, the best step for that. You want to look of, at you want to look to become someone's mentor now. A few mentors, people that come to you to talk and ask questions. Totally. Well, okay, listen, well, we, well, we're we're two rookie hacks right here, willing yeah, to be mentored. Totally. <laughs> I was also yeah. gonna, I was also going to throw that out there for people to send you a message, and you know, so that you can select someone in your area, learn some, you know, if they're going to Chile or going to some of these places that you've been, you know, maybe they can message you to kind of get some insight on those areas, what to look for, who to go to, right? Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just got to keep the, that's what I want to create with, we want to create with this is more of a community so our guests can be approached by the people to get mentored and to get insight on areas, right? We're exactly going here. Yeah, like even um, listen to Abby's uh, um, interview or chat. I really like her idea with, or um, with the split social. Yeah, and, that was um, wicked. And that made me thinking like, oh, I should, I should bring that into Revelstoke because it's not like we have our our split fest for like the one weekend, but we don't actually have like a cool little gathering where like a get together type thing. Yeah. 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 And figure out some stuff. And so, yeah, had me pondering. Well, if you think about that, we definitely want, we want, definitely want to be in on that to help out, to promote it. Certainly uh, would love to attend as well. Attend. Yes. Your split fest. We're we're thinking about our own split fest or or hopping on with a bunch of different people's split fests to endorse. Have you gone to the Revelstoke one? No. Where's Revelstoke? Oh, go to it. <laughs> Where's Revelstoke? <laughs> Meaning I've never been there yet. Um, yeah, like that split fest has been going on since 2010. Like we just did like the um, 10 year anniversary and it's one of the biggest ones. And I think Mount Baker is the biggest one in North America, but uh, Revelstoke would be probably like the second biggest one. And um, like I've been a, a presenter there for the last three years and it's just such a good... Um, area to to learn about other ski tours or um 
get different insight or different ideas, different ways of doing things. And then they do a whole like uh, where companies can come and demo gear and That's show idea, off their yeah. We might we might have to do a podcast the from there. <laughs> might is definitely if totally. we yeah. get our, we get up there, it's definitely going to happen. That's awesome, mm-hmm. dude. And just yeah, it just keeps spreading the passion of I think of we could it talk, all. I think, I think we could talk for it's already been two hours. Let me just cut you off, but we could probably talk all day. This is you've been a, a great guest, easy to talk with, and uh, we love all the stories, Mike. This has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your time and all your uh, knowledge. Yeah, amazing, oh, no amazing, amazing experiences and background. I think uh, I'm just going to plant this little seed in your head, Mike. I think you need to. You said you're good behind the camera, and and you've had you got all these places you've been, and and lots of stories. You might you might be thinking about a book for your future, buddy. <laughs> you know how many times <laughs> I've been told that I should write a book, and I just keep laughing at it. But maybe it's maybe it's something I should do. I I've, I've been thinking no of question. like I've been thinking of creating like a blog with all my travels, but maybe a book could be something to do. I got lots of photos that just sit there on hard drives. There you go. You just need to... You create your blog with your photos to make a book. That's what I've learned through uh, learning about how to podcast, podcasting, and how to branch out is, uh, you know, gather all the stuff, get other information, do your blogging. At the end of it, you can then put it into a book format. Totally. And then um, just for myself to like bounce off you guys, like for you guys like coming into the scene, like do you have like any questions for myself or did you get any like um, little tips or things to... That, I'm, I'm, that, full. Um... This yeah. been, I'm full. This has been... <laughs> yeah, man. There's there's tons that we can glean from this for sure, you know, and, and I think... I think we've asked all the questions that I can think of right yeah. now. And I know that, uh, I know down the road, Mike, we're going to want to revisit with you. Yeah. Totally. For sure. Yeah. I'm hundred percent to do, you get a cook- do round two. And you got to get a cookbook. We're definitely going to learn more about your cooking. <laughs> That's right. You have so yeah. much to offer that way. That's for sure. Yeah. Cool. It's it. been and a blast. It's just, it's just kind of like, uh, has, it's just poured down from like other people too. It's just well, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. other people I've gathered from and, and like, like I've just spent, so much time like in the mountains that it almost becomes more home to me than nice. than like uh that's my being in too. like a house kind of thing that's that's where i want to head um, too i want to head in that direction you know guys. i was gonna say i can relate i can't quite yeah. exactly relate but yeah. you know my my six month tour backpacking up the east coast of the u.s <laughs> i just remember so many times dropping into a town to resupply and then something just crazy would happen, like a car accident or something. And it was just like <laughs> the, 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 it was like an overload, you know, of, of senses. And I just wanted to get back into the leaves and the trees. That's just what Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy Jones says all the time. He goes in some of his movies, earlier ones, he says, I, I can come, I come out of the mountains and I go into, yeah, he doesn't r- feel normal. Rural right, areas. Yeah. And he's like, I, I can only last here for a week and then I get to get back in the mountains. Yeah. Totally. I'm the same way. Like, I come out and like, you know what? It's just like this year was like pretty heavy in a way because like, just like with the the COVID times and everything kind of like um, changing it in in ways like it made me feel like it was weird to think that like it almost felt foreign to mm-hmm. go in the backcountry in a way. It just felt like am I doing like the am I making right decisions or should I be like. Because you're out of compliant and just sit at home, but also at the same time, like my mental health isn't 
doing good. Me just <laughs> twiddling my thumbs being like, like, what am I doing? <laughs> well, sometimes it's good to heal. Like that's, it was a good time for people to heal and reflect and change things in your mindset and your world. Totally. As well. So yeah. Well, that's it. We're going to yeah. wrap this up. This has been fantastic. We're definitely going to meet with you again, talk with you again and keep connected. And uh, yeah, for sure. That'd be super rad. Let me know when you guys come out to, to Revy in the, in the winter time. And, Absolutely. Uh, Dude, you'll, you'll be definitely, definitely, crush it. We'll definitely hit you up. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't yeah. mind, if you don't mind riding with some rookies, you know, like yeah, uh, we definitely, so yeah. I don't, we, we definitely are those guys who are probably, I just dozen, love spreading the, uh, the passion of it. And then, and then if you guys can, if I, you know, and that's, blah, blah, blah. that's the one thing too, is like, um, just cause like someone's like super inexperienced and other people are like, like coming into the scene. doesn't mean like the experienced person can't learn something off of like, um, the people coming to the scene, same right. as like the vice versa. Like we can always learn something Absolutely. off each other. And like, uh, the last like two years I've started or three years, I've started getting into teaching AST ones. And that is so amazing because like, um, you know, like I remember when I first took my first avalanche course and like learning about, uh, just all the little tiny little things about it all and all the questions that you ask. And for myself as like an instructor, I get to learn so much more just from some simple questions, you know, like, why is it like this? Or why is that, that, you know, or, yeah. um, and that makes you think like, and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then makes yeah. me like, or if I don't know, maybe I'll research it and then right. I'll come back with the answer right? kind of thing. And so we can always learn from everyone. And that's the one thing that like took me a year to kind of learn that. I won't, I won't uh, lie there. Like I know I was naive before I broke my leg and I was like, oh, if you can't keep up, you're, you know, you're in the back, you're go tour someone else kind of thing or I'll just go tour by myself kind of thing. And now I'm like, you know what? You made a lot of weird decisions back in the day. And <laughs> now kind of like ground yourself and more like uh, the biggest thing I've, I'm realizing more and more about the mountains is like, it's about the people that you're with. It's not about like the crazy line you're going to ski or like some like, I don't know, like first descent in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's about just like being in a very good like vibe setting with your your people or whether new or like friends forever and then like just having that experience together nice. like in the mountains like that's what it's all about i, like, love, it's that, not, like, I love that yeah exactly that's a great rap. so where can people find you uh where your socials um, so are my instagram is pal slash and wiggly um all like together like no spaces or anything and um so and then Michael Wiggly. So just to be I'm clear, I'm not like the that, Mike Wiggly, but uh, yeah, right. So just to be clear, that's um, that's Pow slashing Wiggly. Yeah. Just so people don't think it's Pow slash Wiggly, I just wanted to make sure that we got no. that out there. It's like um, it's like uh, I got it from uh, like I've had this name for so long, but I remember like back in the day with like action figures, like you have like Karate Chopping Batman or sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Ninja Kicking you know, Ninja Turtle or something. Yeah, and so yeah. I was like, what's my action? I'm like, I'm pal slashing Wiggly. Perfect. <laughs> so you're pal slashing Wiggly, pal slashing Wiggly on IG, on Facebook, you're Michael Wiggly. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just cool. the old Michael Wiggly. I kind of put the Michael cause like Mike Wiggly has definitely taken over right. that, that name, but yeah. I like Michael more. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then, and then uh, venture snowboards. Yeah. What's their website? Do you know that? 
VentureSnowboards.com. There you go. Perfect. Nice and easy. Or Venture Snow. Yeah, we're um, going to put that in the show notes so everybody can find those if they want to go have a look. Yeah, and everyone, if everyone needs like a bomb-proof board that will last them for years nice. and years and years, go to Silverton, Colorado, or just hit up that website and uh, that's you'll another, be laughing. That's I, another I think they actually have some demos go. for sale, too. Oh, I went there last last spring. Yeah. First time going down there to go visit the venture team and go shred. Oh my goodness! Like <laughs> the amount of access to terrain. You have five mountain passes. And you got twenty one twenty eight hundred meters. Well, and the <laughs> cheap the cheap heli drops and yeah, just that's get that's, used that's to the elevation. That's at Silverton Silverton uh, Resort though. That one. Yeah. That's that one place. That's like a local. To, uh, family, a uh, husband and wife started that up quite a few years ago, and they don't even have a chalet. You, yeah, they no, have yeah, yeah, so it's like have a, one lift. Yeah, you have like a little. Um, I didn't get to check it out. Unfortunately, it closed before I got there. But yeah, they just have like a little school bus. Yeah, and you, rent, you get your tickets from and little like food chat kind of thing in the school bus. And, yeah, they that they did an episode on uh, the snowboard project with Mark Sullivan and man, I got so stoked. I told Darren, I said, we got, this is before we even started thinking about doing our own podcast. We're like, we got to go there. That looks phenomenal. You boot pack, every, they boot pack everywhere there, but the track, the, their tracks are already punched out. They said so. Yeah. The one thing, um, that's iffy there, the Sandy Wands is like some of the most sketchiest snowpack you'll, you'll come across. But, uh, if it's nice and stable and like good to go, then you're laughing. Like when I was there, I was really fortunate that it was stable and I could go after some like pretty good lines. And like a lot of the locals were just like, I've looked at that for years. And you know, just sometimes <laughs> you just like, you just show up in the right spot, right time. And like, yeah. I had a little bit of like the, uh, the visor down in a way. Cause I didn't get to grow up with like the gnarliness of the Sandy ones. And, so I kind of was just like, oh, this is fine. I get to cruise around. and <laughs> So that's it. Well, let's just wrap it up, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon, and we'll uh, chat again. Thanks Sounds again for good, your, guys. Thanks for your time. It was fantastic. This is the longest podcast we've done so far. Yeah, man. Thanks a million. <laughs> thanks a million, Mike. It was, it was awesome pleasure. to talk to you. Perfect. All right. Peace. All right. Take care, man. Enjoy. Dang, Mike, we sure love how you're out getting it each month. So sick. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. As always, you can learn more about Michael in the show notes. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at DarkStartsBC to find out when our next episodes are dropping and to share your awesome pictures and videos within the listener community. You won't want to miss our next episode where we talk with Jeremy Jensen of Grassroots Powder Surfing. Shout out to Scott Martin of Groundswell Marketing Podcast, Ivan of the Radar One Podcast, and Pat Cornway for making all of this happen. Peace, everybody.